Hey everybody, this is Nick Apostolidis. I play Leon in the recent Auri 2 remake, and you're listening to Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. The Casanova Podcast, the number one podcast in Hawaii, is brought to you by these contributors on Patreon. If you'd like to see more content like this more often, as well as more podcasts, reviews, impressions, early access releases, live streams, and original content, then consider becoming a patron today. to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova, and I'm coming at you with another phenomenal interview. In today's episode, I get the honor and privilege of interviewing one of my best friends, the one, the only, the phenomenal, the iconic Gamer Thumb TV. Now, Gamer Thumb is just one of those creators that's just not only inspirational, but his content is very engaging, entertaining, and educational. Especially when it comes to his Untold Legends timeline series, consisting of Castlevania, Mortal Kombat, and so much more. If you're looking to learn something new about the games that you play, or learn the lore, or even get insightful reviews, commentary, and more, you need to be checking out Gamer Thumb TV. He also has amazing streams that occur every single week, so make sure you tune in to those as well. And if you're ready to do it, I'm ready to do it. Let's go ahead and welcome Gamer Thumb onto the show. Welcome everyone to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova. I've got the honor and privilege of having the one, the only, the iconic, the legendary, <laughs> the man who blazed the trail and YouTube was scared shitless. Legendary. The one, <laughs> the one and only Gamer Thumb TV. Man, how are you doing? Introduce yourself. Fantastic. Hello, everyone. My name is Fabian, my real name, Gamer Thumb TV. I see a lot of you in the chat are from my channel, so you guys know me already. For those of you that don't, I run a gaming channel. Well, you know, I don't like to call myself a gaming channel because it's more than that. I do game reviews, movie reviews, game side stories, timelines, just all kinds of nerdy things. Whatever I feel like doing, I'll do. Live streams, Mondays and Fridays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So yeah, not just a gaming channel. I, I try to do a little bit of a, a little bit of everything that's entertaining, whatever definitely. pops in my head. Definitely, man, definitely. And you know, uh, tell people where they can find you. I'm sure everyone in the chat knows where to find you, but you know. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everywhere. YouTube, obviously. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. What else? I've got a Patreon, which got a social page on there, too. Uh, and it took me a while to get on on Twitter, of all things. Because when I first <laughs> started, like, I, me as a person, like, I, I dislike social media in general. Mm -hmm. So when I started, people were like, you need a Twitter. You need a Twitter. You need a Twitter. I was like, I have a Facebook. I don't want to mess with all this stuff. So I got Twitter, and lo and behold, my channel started growing crazy when I had Twitter. And then people were like, you need Instagram. And I was like, oh, I got resistant. 
I got now Instagram. Get, now you need TikTok. <laughs> I got to work my way up. <laughs> but yes, you could find me currently on all those platforms. You know, and one of the things, like, I know you and I, because, you know, audience, you may not know this, but Vivian and I, we talk every single day, literally. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is how much work social media promoting and marketing is. It is a fucking job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny because I, you, I, I'm sure we'll touch on this later, but you get the people that say YouTube's not a job. Aside from content creation, just promoting yourself, make sure people are watching, trying to get audience members that are new, that alone is a full-time job. Yeah. Aside from me sitting here cranking out a, a 18 hour script and then a video. So yeah, it, it's a, uh, it's a crazy amount of work, man. Aside just from the editing, I would say the editing is the easy part that that's the part where once you start the editing process, you've, you've got a lot more to do afterwards. Yeah. And, and so, not, yeah. Only, not only that, but you know, the, the people, there are people that think that all we do is play video games all day and that, uh, we don't have I to wish. do, <laughs> you know, and editing a video, all we need to do is just like, you know, copy and cut and that's it. I'm like, no, this is, it's, it's something I've said before. And I know you have before as well. It's something every, anyone can do it, but not everyone's going to be able to do it because they don't have the, you know, the fortitude. To be able yeah. To. And some channel, to be fair, some channels do do that. They'll just play a game, hit record and throw it up on the channel. But if you're serious about creating original content, it's, I mean, that's just not going to cut it. It yeah. really isn't because anyone can do that. So, and also, uh, um, go for it. <laughs> I always say also, <laughs> uh, if YouTube's not a real job, I, I would like someone to inform the IRS because <laughs> this, <laughs> this, no, check this. This is the first year. All right. I, I have two kids. So tax season's nice for me because when you have kids, that's a nice mm -hmm. little chunk of change you get for having children. You get the income tax credit or whatever. I don't know what it's called. The child tax credit. Uh, so this year was the first year that I was full time. So I had to, uh, you know, put all that on my tax returns. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, <laughs> when I added my kids in there and I saw my tax return, doo -doo -doo, doo -doo -doo -doo, it was like a health bar in a video game. <laughs> I was so happy. But once I put in all my YouTube information, because I wasn't working a day job and I had my YouTube tax forms. Back I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but, so, yeah, if YouTube's not a job, let the government know so I don't have to pay come next tax season. Oh, man. It sucks. It, <laughs> it really does. You know, and, and one other thing, too, like, I, I think, you know, because you and I, we talk about this. Yeah, I feel like everything we're going to talk about on this podcast is stuff we talk about daily. But yeah. it's like, you know, the time that goes into being a content creator versus a traditional nine to five job. Like if anyone who says that, Oh, I want to be my own boss and be a content creator. And it's going to be easy. No, it's not. You're going to work a lot. Um, you may not sleep a whole lot, especially if you want to push yourself, but right. it's the difference is you're working and doing things that you enjoy for yourself and for your brand versus working for someone else making them rich mm -hmm. yep you nailed it and also um onto what you said about not having that much time before i went full-time i had this mentality of i'm gonna have all the time in the world i could do a million videos a week i could do this and that 
no, <laughs> that that's not <laughs> some, there will always be something that takes up your time. There's always something that takes up your time. One, you know, one of the biggest obstacles I'm laughing because I'm reading rogue dragons comment there. YouTube one hit <laughs> KO'd people's taxes. <laughs> what was they saying? I forgot what I was saying already. Oh, um, man. what was I just saying? That threw uh, me off my balance. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're talking about um, all the free time you were having. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so there's always going to be something that fills up your time. And one of the biggest obstacles, it's like once I went full-time, my obstacles just shot up because yeah. you have to deal with people in your social life that see you not going to a 95. So they think you're just free all the time. Mm-hmm. And you got to deal with all the, um, all the, oh, well, you're just playing a game. You know, why can't you do this and that? It's like, I'm just playing a game. Like, I've got 40 hours left in this game where I'm recording all this footage for like a 15 minute video yep. that's going to take me a week to produce. So, uh, all that stuff increases when you get a day job out of the way. But honestly, as hard as it is and as stressful as it is weekly, it really is. I, I've never felt more alive just creating content you know it's what i do it's what i plan to always do from here on out so it it really is i mean it's just it's a blessing in the skies full of stress yeah (laughs) but i love to do it you know and i i love that the fact that you said like it's the most alive you feel because i i feel that now too i'm two months in and it's stressful and at times sometimes i feel really overwhelmed but it is literally the most alive i've ever felt in I want to say since I was in college and didn't really have to have a job like this is it's, you know, of course, it's a pay cut, but it's, you know, I I, want to stress that feeling alive sometimes is not always feeling comfortable. But it's a fact that, you know, your journey, your destination and your life's, you know, your goals are all in your hands. Your success and your failures are up to you. You're not. An autonomous machine just you know i punch in and i do what i'm told to do and then i punch out no like yeah. you're living <laughs> yeah and that's what the um the average nine to five you know for some people that works fine some people love that yeah i, I can't man like that whole the, the whole nine to five situation is meant to make you feel like a gear in the machine you know yeah. you're just going in doing the same thing and I mean, that that's a lot of the reason. Should I go into how I started YouTube? Do you want me to go into that? Go for it. Because it, it's, and I'll get serious for a moment there, because uh, I know you know the story, but I know some people viewing probably won't. Uh, when I first started, it, man, I used to work for American Express mm-hmm. a couple of years back. Go back a couple of years before I started the channel. That company, um, and I name dropped them because I, I can't stand them. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, so if any of you from American Express are watching, go subscribe to my channel, drop a like, <laughs> and this channel. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> but, we got one dislike. <laughs> but in all seriousness, aside from that, I've never been with a company that, that abuses its employees uh, mentally and emotionally as much as that company. Like it was on paper. It was a dream job, made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was like 18 bucks an hour working from home. We're in Florida. That's, that's a ton of money in Florida. Yeah. Um, but it was like 18 hours working from home, dream job on paper, just perfect schedule. But it was such a, a soul sucking job that I would wake up in the morning, sit in my computer chair, take call all or take calls all day and have people yelling at me. And I, I had a family tragedy that I won't go into while I was working there. 
Mm-hmm. And I had a family member that, that died in a really, really bad way. So the day this happened, and this is kind of the day I started thinking like, F this company. Like mm-hmm. I told my manager, first thing, as a human being, if someone tells you something like that and you work that day, you're going to ask them like, are you okay? Like, is there anything we can do for you? Yeah. You know what they asked me? Do you have any sick time or vacation time left? <laughs> That's it. And I called out and I got a write up. <laughs> so my God. But anyways, fast forward another couple of years, me and my current fiance, she was my girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved in together and I got in such a bad state of mind where like, um, like I'm not, I'm not a depressed person. I want to start off by saying that mm-hmm. because I know a lot of people on YouTube try to act like they're mental health experts. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know anything about mental health. All I know is I'm not a depressed person. I've never had that mental difficulty. But when I first moved in with my fiance, she worked at American Express too. We were both working from home. We were both miserable. Like it was, I'd wake up in the morning. And if I worked that day, a lot of the times I would just sit in the shower and just break down. Like it was the lowest point that I ever felt where it's just like, you know, I thought I had no future. I was like, this is it. Like, this is all I'm going to do. And my, uh, my fiance, she recommended I go to a doctor because she didn't know what was up. I didn't realize what was up at the time either. So I go to a doctor and it's insane how they diagnose these things Mm -hmm. because she gave me a sheet of paper with some check boxes that just asked me the most basic questions. Like, do you ever feel this? Do you ever feel that? And Mm -hmm. she's like, Oh, you got depression. Here's a prescription. And I was like, wait, hold on. Like, it it always felt wrong to me. Mm -hmm. So for like a month after that, she had me on these pills that didn't do anything. And like I told you before, the reason I said I'm I'm not a depressive person is because I don't have depression. I know some people actually have that. Mm -hmm. I didn't. For me, I knew something was causing it. And then it just hit me like, it's this job. Like, it's this job. Like, I can't. Every single job I was going to at the time was just call center, call center, customer service, customer service. And mind you, I had a bachelor's degree in, in business management, which for me, it didn't do a thing. It, it, mm-hmm. it was just kind of a, a waste of money and time. So one day... Um, we can't get that back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but one day I, I was talking to uh, my manager, and then I got another write-up because they were already looking to get rid of me because honestly, mm-hmm. my performance sucked. I didn't care about the job. I wanted out. So I got sick of it. I got sick of it. I told my manager I quit after she wrote me up again because I was looking at my schedule while I was on the clock and everybody did that all the time. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's how I started the whole YouTube thing. I had started getting the idea to start a channel. Mm-hmm. My fiance said, you know what? I see how miserable you are. Do something you enjoy and we'll just we'll make it work. Yeah. So I quit. I just quit the job. I, I left from one day to the next. I told him I was done. I started my channel. And I mean, it's been slow growth from there. Uh, I mean, some people say I grew really fast. I, I still think it's pretty slow, but that's the way it should be, you know? Mm. But that's the thing like, I want, that I want people to take away from that is if you're ever in a situation like that, I mean, whether it's work-related or relationship, whatever it may be, there's always a way out. There, there's usually an underlying cause causing that. Mm-hmm. So you really should work to identify it and then fix it. Because you know how many people I talk to that always tell me, like, I wish I had another job. I wish this. I wish that. Like, you have to just make a decision. Like, 
I got to the point where I got mad. I was like, I was mad that this is not the life I'm living. Like I refuse to live this life. Mm -hmm. So now here I am a couple years later doing this full time. And it's all because, you know, I, I just decided to do it one day and stuck with it. Yeah. And, you know, and I think the, the biggest thing too, is how, you know, we're raised as, you know, within American societies, we got to, you know, go to school, get a good education, get a job. And that's it. Like that's the, mm -hmm. the, the epitome of what we're going to do. We're going to do basically the same type of slavery for the next 20, 30, 40 some years, then retire when we can't really enjoy life to the fullest. And then like, die. what's the point? Yeah. What, what's the point of working a nine to five? If you're too miserable to <laughs> enjoy the paycheck you're making, Yeah. you know, and, and for me, uh, another thing to follow up on, like, the second I left the job, I specifically remember the next day waking up and it was like this just aura just lifted off my shoulders. Like it was just this huge weight just lifted off my shoulders. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, deciding to start a channel and go full time on YouTube is easy. It, it's harder than anything I've ever done. Yeah. But um, I mean, it, it shouldn't be easy. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. That's definitely true. And, you know, for the audience, I mean, I know Fabian and I, we have the same background when it comes to marketing, same background when it comes to uh, our college degrees and same type of working. <laughs> like our, our last jobs were, were basically the same. We were both in call centers. And it, that is one of the most mind numbing and soul crushing fields to be in. Like yeah. I, I, I'm, I have <laughs> no idea how I lasted the years that I was in, but I literally, you know, coming off of me having cancer and dealing with that and then, you know, trying to maintain a, a marriage and just being miserable because you're being yelled at at work every time that they feel like they want it, to. It's one of those jobs where it's a thankless position. They don't mm -hmm. care when things are going well, but this, the minute something's not going well, they will, you know, they'll crap all over you. You know, for me, I worked for, and I'll drop the name. I don't fucking care anymore. Hawaii Pacific Health. You're in Hawaii. Don't work for that company. And, you know, the the stuff that I, I dealt with, the, you know, and I'm like you. I don't, I, I'm not a depressive person. And so yeah. it's like when you get to that point where you're just literally sitting in the shower and you're just like wondering, like, is this it? Is this my life? Is, you know, why am I so miserable and it's like you're trying to pinpoint what it is exactly. And then, you know, when you figure out what it is and you get rid of it, yeah, you're losing the paycheck of whatever it was you're making. But you get your sanity. You get your health back. Mm -hmm. You get your happiness. And you take your life, you know, the reins of your life back. And I think a lot of people, especially ones I've talked to, they're like, oh, I just need this job because I need this money. And it's like money is not going to guarantee you health and happiness. No, it's not. Yeah. And it, it affects you as a person. It really does. After years of that, it, it changes who you are. Yeah. You know, it, I remember getting off like it'll affect your relationship. Like I remember me and my fiance, like we used to argue a lot more because we were both mm -hmm. at the same job and we were both miserable. Like mm -hmm. what's going to happen when you both clock out and you're both living together and you're both just upset about the day? There, yeah. There's nothing positive to talk about, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's – I'm not trying to bash anyone that is okay with those jobs or enjoys them because there's a job out there for everyone. 
You know, yeah. There's always someone that'll enjoy a job. But if, if you're a creative person, if you are on this earth with some kind of creative gene or whatever you want to call it, like you're just you're destroying yourself sitting in these jobs that you don't have to do. And I understand money is important. My whole point is it shouldn't be it shouldn't override your own self-worth, yeah. your own self-worth and well-being, you know. And I didn't go full time when I started my channel. I didn't go full time until last year. I'm going towards year number four now. During those times, I just went looking for like, you know, smaller part-time jobs that honestly I didn't even take seriously. They were just literally there to do a paycheck jobs that wouldn't interfere with my schedule, that wouldn't interfere with my mental health too much just to have a paycheck. And then when I got to the point where I could support myself month to month, that's when I made the decision to just drop everything and just do this. And let me tell you, man, like it's, there's no better feeling than doing this full time. I know people have their complaints about YouTube and whatever, every site you create on, whether it's Twitch, YouTube, whatever, they all have their problems. It's about, you know, those problems are what kind of weeds out who's going to make it and who's not, because it's about overcoming those problems. And what are you going to do when you encounter them? Are you just going to give up and put it all aside? Or are you just going to figure out how to make it? You know, it's tough. It is completely tough. And you've been at um, YouTube, you started your channel about three and a half years ago, four years ago? April 2016 is when I posted my first video, which sucks ass. That video sucks, but (laughs) 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 I I, I always like to make fun of myself on that because I I have a friend that just started YouTube a couple months back. Mm -hmm. And um, he's always complaining about different things on the platform. Like, man, you got a long way to go if this is what you're complaining about. And I told him, uh, he's always like, oh, oh, do you think your first videos are, are as good as the ones you do now? I was like, hell no. Like mm-hmm. every creator, if you go back to your first videos, every creator thinks their own videos suck at the beginning. Mine did. But that's the thing. You, you grow and you learn. And I, I like keeping them on there almost like a like a history lesson so you can go back and see how, how garbage it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so effectively, we started the same year. I You started in April and I kickstarted my YouTube career in August of that same year. So I yeah, I would say you grew pretty quickly, man. <laughs> yeah, it was um it's funny because the reason I know the reason I grew initially. Mm-hmm. Uh it, when I first started the channel, it, it was the first year, you're you're gonna really, if you're doing it right, mm-hmm. you're really just gonna test the waters what you want to do. I, I wasn't sure how my channel's identity was gonna be. You know, I was like, Am I just gonna do game reviews? Am I gonna do movie reviews? I started doing both. Then when I saw uh, X-Men Apocalypse, when I saw that movie, I was like, you know what? I should do an X-Men timeline because everyone was so confused about these movies. So I was like, I'm going to explain all the movies in order. And that video got like 13,000 views, which back then that was to me, that was the equivalent of getting like a trillion views. Mm -hmm. Because back then, if I got more than 20 or 30 views at the beginning, that was good to me. But um then eventually I started deciding to do the, the same thing for the Castlevania videos. And as you know, a bunch of people on my channel popped up from those videos, but right. I, I wasn't even good. It was just something. All right. The reason I did it to begin <laughs> with was because I was itching to play through the whole series again. I was like, man, I feel like playing Castlevania games again, but I feel bad because when I play a game and this is something I got to work on when I play games for fun, I feel bad. I feel like I should be doing it for the channel recording or streaming or doing something work related i feel the so, same way yep. <laughs> so i was like fuck it i'm gonna play castlevania i'm gonna do a whole timeline on it it was just like a side thing i was doing 
And halfway through it, I was like, this sucks. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's extremely taxing on me. But then I, I just kept doing it. One of my buddies actually kind of motivated me. He's like, you just, you already started. You're halfway through. Just finish it. And I was like, oh, God. And I did it. And then it blew up. And I'm like, what the hell? I was like, people, <laughs> at the time, I was like, people still care about Castlevania? And like, because in my group of friends, I was always the hardcore gamer. I was always the one that like, man, I love Castlevania. And then mm. you'd have your close friends. I'd be like, what's that? And I'm like, God, like that's. I, I've always been like that, so I've never had those friends that know all these uh, all these huge video game franchises that you know they would play games here and there when they can. Since I was a kid, I was I mean I was born with a controller in my hand, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did that, and then I did not realize the massive fan base that Castlevania still has. So that's how my channel initially started, you know, gaining traction, and then mm-hmm. from there I just kind of adjusted the kind of content I make. Um, one thing I used to do when I first started, I don't know if you did this too when you first started, I was so anal about um, schedule. I was like, I used to be like, I'm going to do one review a week or one game review, one oh, movie, one let's, <laughs> one, uh, one let's play. When I used to do pre-recorded let's plays every single week. And if I missed one, it would just, it would ruin my whole week. If someone unsubscribed, it would ruin my whole day. Yep. So, and that's just stuff you have to learn. Now I'm more willy nilly on the schedule. So it's like now I just kind of do things when I feel like it. And I find that works, you know, because once you start putting yourself on a really strict schedule, that might work for some, but then it just feels like a day job. Yeah. But some people need that structure, you know? So um, I, to me, that sucks. I, I just can't because week to week to week doing that, like say, for example, this week I have scheduled that I have to do this review. Well, what if when I start making that video, I don't feel like playing that game and I want to do something else. You know, you, I, I don't like restricting myself like that. But uh, I'd say like the first year when I started YouTube, I was strict on myself. And it was just it, it was a challenge to get out of that. I'll say to say the least. Oh, man, I did. I, I, I remember my first year going uh, full time. Well, not my first year going full time. My first year in YouTube, I was super strict with my streams, uh, my reviews. I was like, oh, I got to get like five reviews or five videos up a week. Five reviews. Yeah. Oh my god, dude! I <laughs> yeah, and that that's another thing. I I know exactly where you're coming from with that. This no, I and I told you this a while back. I said you can't you can't do too much because you don't when you're doing too much on the channel, you don't realize it until you're burnt out. Yeah, like you don't realize it. And some people have that. I can't imagine being someone that uploads every single day. Like that just creates content every single day. You know. But when I first started, there was a point where I was doing four videos a week. And after like a month, I was like, I I can't keep this up. It's just, it's not possible. So you always have to find that, you know, comfort level where your audience is going to be happy and you're not going to be destroyed by the end of the month. You know, (laughs) there's a balance to everything. Definitely. Definitely. And so, so, you know, you say you were born with a controller in your hand. So take us back. Damn let's right. step into let's step into DeLorean and let's go back in time. <laughs> and uh, what was your first gaming experience that really got you hooked? I could write a book on that. Um, <laughs> first, all right. My first memories of video games. I was born in '86. Most people would say NES. At the time, my my sisters are like. 
12 years older than me. I have a sister. She's like 12 years older than me. Mm-hmm. So they were in high school when I was born. So what, what we had in the house was the Atari 2600. So that was my first video game console that I remember. I remember playing um, Moon Patrol, Donkey Kong, uh, Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. the shitty Spider-Man game. So those are my first experiences I remember. But then when the NES came out, mm-hmm. I know that's the go-to answer for everyone, but it's true. If you were born in the 80s and you grew up late 80s, early 90s, NES is really what made you a gamer. Like it was the original Nintendo. And for me, I, I remember I still have a photo somewhere of me opening it. And it was the action set that came with the zapper. And mm-hmm. it was Mario Brothers and the Duck Hunt combo cartridge. That Mega Man 3, the original Legend of Zelda, those were the games that made me a gamer. And Super Contra. I played Super Contra before Contra. But those games made me a huge gamer. And, and those games made you tigers, man. That's why I always say, like, <laughs> no, game, games today. See, I'm getting off topic now, man. But games Go today, <laughs> games today have such a habit of holding your hand. Yes. That's I, I despise tutorial levels. It's like, don't tell me how to jump when I was playing Contra without instructions when I was in diapers. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that was my first gaming experience. What's your first gaming experience, actually? Dude, my first gaming experience, I, I should you not, was Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest. Oh, I hated that game. You know what's funny is I I have a, a a it's a it's a game I love because it's my first game. Um and the other thing too is you know the part where you go and you gotta kneel at Devorah's Cliff with the, the crystal? The yeah, stu- the red crystal and then the stupid whirlwind comes and takes you. Yeah. So my brothers couldn't figure that out and then they let me just play and then one day I figured that out for them. I think I was like three or four years old. And <laughs> And then, like, from that point onward, I was just hooked on that game. And then I just kept playing it, and then I ended up beating that. And the next game I started playing was the original Double Dragon. And then I went from Double Dragon to uh, Ninja Gaiden 2, Dark Sword Chaos. We never had complete sets of games, like, for the series. Yeah, you, so... you exactly. <laughs> you had bits and pieces. That's how I was. Right? So I, I, um, I used to love Ninja Gaiden 2, Dark Sword Chaos just because... The music mm-hmm. and the graphics and the story always had me hooked, but the game is so damn hard. But I was like, I want to see the next cutscene, so I would keep playing it over <laughs> and over until I got it. So it's like when you know the games are coming out now. Like you, you remember? Okay, so you remember back when Ninja Gaiden came out on the Xbox, and everyone talked about how hard it was, right? And then Devil May Cry three uh, being so hard, and I'm over here like child's oh, play is, compared to NES games. Cake. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let me tell you, let me tell you about Ninja Gaiden 2 on the NES. I have a beef with that game because when I was a kid, that was one of my favorite NES games, but I could never beat it as a kid because I had this old ass CRT TV mm-hmm. that every couple of minutes, the screen would go black and I had to punch the side of it repeatedly to get the <laughs> screen back on. I have a photo of that TV somewhere, but it had these huge antenna on the top to watch TV. But every time, you, you know, the wind levels. Where yeah. you have to jump and then the wind's pushing you. Yeah, I specifically remember never being able to pass that because when I would jump, my TV would go black, and I'd have <laughs> to punch it back, and then I'd be at like the title screen because I got a game over. Like, yeah, that's it. Playing with an old TV like that was a nightmare, man. Especially those games. But yeah, like I said, games today. My kid, I, I bought him Luigi's Mansion Three. 
Mm-hmm. And it's funny because my fiance, she was like, "You're so mean," but I was like, "No, these kids, these kids are gelatin now." He was playing <laughs> Luigi Mansion Three, and I'm watching him play, and he's fighting this boss, and he's like, "Huh, this boss is a little tough." And he's like, "Can you help me?" And I looked at him, I was like, "I didn't get help playing Contra or Battle Toads." So, but he, you know what? He died like 20 times, but he ended up beating him. And I was yeah. like, "You are now a better gamer. You're now a better gamer." <laughs> Some people see that as cruel. It's training. It's training. No, but I think uh, you and I were talking about this the other day. We were talking about how, like, you know, the games that we grew up playing that were super hard, like how they taught us how to be more critical of thinking, like, and make decisions on the fly because it's like you had when you're to. playing. You, yeah, you literally had to. Like, imagine Battletoads, you know, the, the hover bike level. Oh, yeah. You have a split second to make a decision. <laughs> I would argue that you have less than a split second. <laughs> like in, in Turbo Tunnel, oh God. you know I'm streaming that this Sunday. Go for it. I'm streaming I, it this Sunday. I'm going to be there. Uh, Battletoads Arcade, Battletoads Super Nintendo, and the NES game. So, yeah, you guys will see me do the Turbo Tunnel. But, uh, yeah, those are the games that I grew up with. And then when the Super Nintendo came, let me tell you, the Super Nintendo... I was already into video games by the time that came out, but that mm. I would argue that revolutionized gaming for me more so than the NES. Cause when I played my God, when the original Mega Man X came out, that's still my favorite video game of all time. The original Mega Man X of uh, all time. Nope. 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 <laughs> sir. What is sir, that? Sir. Wait, is that sealed? Yes, sir. Well, let me give you my P.O. box. <laughs> you said it to me. I love X2 also, but Mega Man X, I have such a fond, I, I, I have such fondness to it because it's the one game that I played so much. I played it so damn much that I know every nook and cranny. I could blow through it real quick. I know every secret, and I replayed it over and over and over. That game just revolutionized gaming for me. And uh, Link to the Past also. That one is what really, because when I was a kid, I didn't really like the original Zelda that much. I yeah, played it, and I, I wasn't, I never, I didn't know, I was too young to know what to do. I was like, where do I go? Like, I beat, like, two or three dungeons, and then I just wander around lost. And, you know, I was a kid. I didn't have money to be buying guides, and we didn't have internet to be looking stuff up. So, but when Link to the Past came out, I, that made so many improvements over the original. That made me love the Zelda series, and then I went back and played the others. And from there, I just fell in love with that series. Castlevania, too. You know that. Castlevania. Oh, um, God. <laughs> all those games, man. And those are the same games that everyone says, but there's a reason for that. Like, yeah. they had such an impact on our generation of gamers that there's never going to be anything like that. There's never going to be anything at that level of greatness, in my opinion. No. No. And, mm. you know, the the other thing, too... You know, and this is completely off topic, but I, you know, since we are on the topic of the '80s and '90s, um, I think a lot of the younger generation now that's all into this whole console wars, you know, PlayStation Four, Xbox One, Switch, PC. You guys don't understand what a war is until you lived in the '90s and the '80s. Oh man, that was you'd have like <laughs> you would have like playground beefs. Right, like you'd be sitting Literally. there, like, oh my god, yeah, you'd be sitting there, like, no, I like Nintendo sixty four, and then a kid would be like, 
well, I like PlayStation. And then the other kid would jump in and be like, gay station. And it's like, <laughs> but that that's how it was. Yeah. Like people would just say these stupid things where when, when you were, I mean, when you weren't a kid, that, that was fighting words. Like yeah. that was, no, I'm throwing down. Like you're not disrespecting Mario 64 in front of me. <laughs> but now as an adult, it's just like, how old are you? Like none of these companies care about you. I'll yeah. say this. I'll say this. In our time, I feel the console wars were a lot more valid. And yeah. hear me out, because you can have, for example, Power Rangers on Super Nintendo, Power Rangers on Sega Genesis, two completely different games. Mm-hmm. So there was a debate to be had which one's better. Now, if I play Resident Evil 2 on Xbox One, uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake, by the way, on Xbox One, and then I played on PS4, I'm playing the same damn game. Yeah. Like, graphically, it's it's pretty much the same. I mean, you could argue technicalities, whatever. It's the same damn game. So now I think the console wars are more irrelevant than ever. Yeah. You know, at least when we were kids, like there was there was a little bit of ground for 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 arguing your for your console or not. Now it's just like we just have different games select. Like it's the same shit. Yeah. Like I, I have Xbox One, I have a PS4. I love them both. I also have my Switch for the Nintendo exclusives. To me, real gamers play games because they're good games, not whatever controller I'm using or whatever console I'm using. Yeah. You know, everyone's got a preference, but if you're still arguing console wars, like you're not a gamer. Like yeah. you're just, you're just obsessed with, you're just for some reason loyal to one specific company that doesn't care about you. It, you know, it's, you know, the people that uh, cancel their uh, pre-orders of Death Stranding because it got announced for PC and now they're, uh, they're feeling betrayed by Sony. And it's like, I don't understand this. I don't understand this logic at all. You can still buy it on PS4, though. But it's not like, exclusive. And that's their, that's their that's their that's their argument. Like, but okay. See, my question is: Did those same people complain about Devil May Cry Five? Because that wasn't exclusive. Do you remember when it was? Yep. Devil May Cry was PS2 exclusive for a while. Devil May Cry for years. Some younger gamers now may not realize that, but Devil May Cry for years was it was a PlayStation thing. Mm-hmm. So was Metal Gear. So was Final Fantasy. That's the whole thing about exclusives. Like they're not always going to be exclusive. I remember having Resident Evil Four only for GameCube, mm-hmm. and now it's been re-released on freaking uh, Tiger Electronic LCD it's, watches. It's on your phone. like they, they have it on everything, you know. <laughs> oh. yeah, like Resident Evil. Freaking uh, Resident Evil 4 on the R-Zone. You remember the R-Zone? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I mean, man. It, it, if you're not going to play a game just because it's exclusive, you're probably going to miss out on a good game. Yeah. You know, who cares? Like, I have my preference in controllers. Like, I like first-person shooters on Xbox. I like fighting games with a PS4 D-pad. But at the end of the day, I, I don't care what console's processing it. Yeah. And I think I think the best example too, like of a, a good console exclusive argument back in the day, Aladdin on the Genesis and on Super Nintendo. So good. I <laughs> let me tell you something. I felt robbed with that game because I I remember I don't know birthday or Christmas or something. I got the Super Nintendo game, and I was like, this is a cool game. I really enjoyed it. But then I rented the Genesis game, and I was like. Like, I felt so betrayed. I was like, why didn't I get this one? <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, you have a sword? The Sega Genesis one, by the way, that just came out. I got to download it. 
Yep. They got the, the remaster, whatever. I forgot about that. But that's, you're right. That is one situation where I feel the, the Genesis version. You know, the Genesis version of some games was mind-blowing uh, mm-hmm. for some of them. Uh, another one I can think of, did you ever play Power Rangers the movie? The yep. game? Mm-hmm. The Super Nintendo version has nothing to do with the movie. Um, it, it's kind of boring, honestly. And then mm-hmm. at the end, you fight Ivan Ooze out of nowhere. And you're like, wait a minute, where was he the whole rest of the time? <laughs> but then you play the second Genesis version, and it's all based on the movie. And it has an awesome soundtrack. It plays really well. But it's the same game when you're looking at the box. Like, it's the same game. Mm-hmm. But when you play it, completely different game. Like, you don't... I, I would. This is probably not a popular opinion. But I would love if we got back to those days where... Let's say they come out with Resident Evil whatever, Resident Evil 8 on PS4 and then Resident Evil 8 on Xbox, and it's two completely different games. That'd be cool, I think. People would complain about it, but that's how it used to be. Yeah. That's how that's how things used to be. That used to be normal. You know how so, yeah. people are um they were up in arms when uh, Bayonetta became exclusive to Nintendo, and it, it's, it's like if it wasn't for Nintendo, we wouldn't have gotten Bayonetta too. Because Sony yeah. and Microsoft didn't have any interest in making it. Uh, Sega surely wasn't going to make it. And then they had no interest in making Bayonetta 3. So it's like, it, I don't know. P- people with this whole like mentality of one piece of plastic is better than the next. It's like, you have your preferences, yes. But at the end yeah. of the day, if you're a gamer, it doesn't matter what you game on. Yeah. And- I have a couple friends like that that won't. <laughs> I have one friend in particular, he will not touch an Xbox just because. But it's funny because when I question him, there's never a legit answer. It's always like, because PlayStation's better. And I was like, yeah, but why? And he's like, well, they have Uncharted. And it's like, okay, well, that's not, that's it? <clears throat> like, that's not a valid reason, you know? I don't know. People have their opinions. I, I can't relate to that. I, I play on whatever. I'm not even a big PC gamer, but if there's a Steam exclusive, for example, that's really good, I'll stream it and I'll play it and I'll enjoy it. Like I don't, I don't care. At the end of the day, I just want good games. You know that that's what's gonna sell. You make a good game, I'm gonna buy it. Okay, so I gotta ask you this question since you say you'll play, you will play a game on Steam if you have to. So, what are your thoughts on Streets of Rage Four? Streets of Rage Four. I'm incredibly excited about that game. Like, I know you had some criticisms about it, because I think we've spoken about this. <laughs> I might have blinders on, but I'm such a huge Streets of Rage fan that they could probably do whatever, and I'll like it. But I genuinely like the art style. That's one thing I've heard complaints about in the way it plays. I think it looks good. And I go back to Battletoads, because Battletoads is a questionable art style. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first one to say that. But when I played it at E3, it plays so damn good. It plays really good. It was a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. So if, if Streets of Rage 4 feels like a, a good beat-em-up like it used to back in the day, I mean, I, I think it looks good. What's your opinion on Streets of Rage 4? I just, I'm not a fan of the art style, and I just feel like with the games that have been coming out since, you know, from not only fan games, but a lot of indie companies as well, like, if it's just a reskin of streets rage two and three i'm gonna be super critical like they're gonna i'm gonna put them on blast because yeah you got games like uh, uh fighting rage which is incredibly amazing that one guy made that and then you yeah. got uh river city girls which took the old formula and just took it to a new plateau 
And you've got, I don't know if you've heard of this game called The Takeover, which has the majority of the original uh, Streets of Rage team working on it and Yuzo Koshiro doing the soundtrack. I've heard of it. I'll have to look that up. Dude, it's so good. I agree with you, though. I agree with you <laughs> on the point you make about Streets of Rage. I don't want it to feel like a reskin either. Because you know what game felt like that, in my opinion? Double Dragon 4. I love Double Dragon Neon. Double Dragon Neon became my favorite Double Dragon of all time. Like, it had such a cool vibe to it. Mm. It played really well. I love the art style. It felt like an evolution of Double Dragon. You don't mean Double Way of Dragon the Dragon? 4. The what? You don't mean Double Dragon 2? Wander of Dragons? <laughs> the X Man. <laughs> Just for that one, I got something for you. What? Your favorite movie of all. He hates this movie so much that I always keep it nearby to show it on camera in these emergency scenarios. It's like when you have an axe and it's like break the glass for emergency. Instead of an axe, I've got King of Fighters. God. <laughs> no, but okay. Double Dragon <laughs> 2 Wander of Dragons is on my list of the top like five games. The worst games I've ever played in my life. Yeah. That game's... It's not even a game. I don't know what it is. It's a thing <laughs> that exists. Double Dragon 2 on NES rocks. Yeah. That's different. But, um, oh, no, what I was saying about Double Dragon 4, it just felt like a reskin of NES Double Dragon. It felt like they did nothing new. Uh, it even had the same... You, you know how those old NES games, a lot of them had some mechanics that are that don't hold up really well? Mm -hmm. um, this one still carried those over. Instead of trying to take that graphical style and really evolve it, into something better. They just copy and pasted it. I didn't yeah. feel like I was playing anything new. I really didn't like Double Dragon 4. Neon, though, to me, was the way to go. I love Neon. Yeah. And we need a uh, Double Dragon and Battletoads 2 crossover in that style. Dude, like, I would know, love that. Dude, I was talking to uh, the folks at uh, Way Forward after I interviewed them. They want to do that so badly. <sighs> Way Forward was the perfect <laughs> people. I, man... Way forward, I, I have such a good relationship with them because they're my favorite current studio. Mm -hmm. Like modern day game developers, way forward are every game they come out with, I fall in love with. And which I, I don't understand the internet as a whole because a lot of times uh, their games get crapped on by a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Which I I like the DuckTales remaster, Double Dragon 4, the Shantae games. I mean, they're for little girls, but I love them. Like those games are awesome, man. <laughs> the Shantae games are fun as hell. They really yeah. are. And then uh the Mummy Demastered, when that game came out. Dude, that was a masterpiece. People didn't like it. A lot of no. people didn't like it. I gave that game such a glowing review. I fell in love with that game, man. I loved it. But um it blew my mind so much because the movie was horrible. Mm -hmm. Like that Tom Cruise mummy, whatever. It was such a bad movie. And then here comes Way Forward. And they make a game, and it's one of my favorite games of that year. Yeah. So that's why Way Forward, man. If anyone from Way Forward is here watching, keep it up. Like I will buy every single game you make. River City Girls. I actually was playing that with my fiance, and that it's oh my god, it's such a fun game. Like yeah. it has such a personality. And honestly, the older River City Ransom games, I don't enjoy them so much. I I didn't grow up playing those. I didn't grow mm -hmm. up playing River City Ransom, so I don't have that nostalgia for them. And to me, I, I don't. I'm used to fighters or beat em ups like Final Fight that are super polished and really smooth. And I don't feel the older, you know, um, River City Ransom games feel that way. But River City Girls, day one bought it, never regretted it, absolutely fell in love with that game. Yep. Yep. 
And, you know, since you said Final Fight, uh, there is a new one in the works. Second they, favorite game of all time. They are, um, from what I understand, um, from the first time I know who's working on the soundtrack, who does the intro sound, you know, to my podcast. Um, they're going for a Street Fighter Five style look with a little bit more grittiness to it and it would probably be set around the uh cody being mayor that's awesome well it makes sense because i mean you know as well as i do that um street fighter 5 they've been injecting so much final fight into that yeah like that it's just it's blatantly obvious something's happening yeah like i god they're, like they've got Mayor Cody, Poison, the the chick from Final Fight Three that's never been in a Street Fighter game, right. but now she's in there. Like they're putting, and then we've got Mad Gear members that are popping up left and right. So it's just obvious something's happening. I, I think they're testing the waters with it. But if they make another Final Fight, I mean, yeah, I'm all over that. I, I, I second favorite game of all time is Final Fight One. I hated Final Fight Two. I don't like Final Fight Two at all. Yeah, but Final Fight terrible. Yeah, I, I streamed it, and it was just. I didn't, I didn't care for it. Yeah, it's... And if I remember correctly, I think that one was just ridiculously over-the-top easy. Yeah. To where it just... Uh, it's not fun that way, you know? But 1 and 3... 3's got a kick-ass soundtrack. I love Final Fight 3. Yeah. There, um... Because I know with, um... Street Fighter, like... There's a fan that put out... Uh, I think his name Boss Logic or something. He put out something... of a yeah, the guy does the fan art. Yeah, he was yeah. putting... He's putting out a teaser for Street Fighter 6... Um, and the producer, Yoshinori Ono, he had to tweet, he, he had to tweet cause he's like, Hey, you know, you're, you're like 10 years too early. Yeah. And then, you know, the fan base or the FGC, they, they were all upset that he made that tweet because they're like, Oh, we hate five. And I'm thinking, uh, and c- correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like every single street fighter that has come out since street fighter three, or the late nineties rather. Um they've shit on. Yeah. Every single one. And then they go back and say, Oh, I love this. I love Street Fighter Three. No, you didn't. You didn't play it when it was out. <laughs> I think what it is, and this is just my opinion, I, I think what it is that there's there is a segment of the Street Fighter fan base that holds three at like this unreachable plateau at the top. Yeah. So anything that comes out after my favorite Super Street Fighter Four, I loved Four. Yeah, um, Four was amazing and introduced Jury, who became my favorite character in Street Fighter of all time. But um, I, I think that's what it is, really. I could be wrong about that, but um, Street Fighter Six, honestly, before that, I want Darkstalkers. Like, yeah, I man, I've been wanting whenever they came out with um, what was it called on the PS3 days? Whenever the, oh, the Resurrect. Wasn't it Resur- or Resurrection or something? The the yeah. collection. The collection. Yeah. They had one, two, and three. I know back then, um, Mar- not Marvel, uh, Capcom was testing the waters to see if they got enough sales from that. Nobody bought it. So yeah. they didn't make Darkstalkers 4. But I bought that day one just because I want Darkstalkers 4 so bad. And I think, I mean, it, since the PS1, we haven't had a new one. A yeah. new main entry in the series, really. I mean, imagine what they could do with it now, like with that Street Fighter 4 and 5 style, but with Darkstalkers, people would buy it. I mean, I think Capcom, I I have such respect for Capcom because I criticized them to hell. I used to uh, before 
I mean, going back a couple years, like I'm talking mm -hmm. like late PS3 era when they were just all over the place coming out with subpar products besides their fighting games. Their fighting games yeah. have remained good. But now I feel that they've done such a turnaround in quality. I mean, they were pumping out the Mega Man 11 I loved, Resident Evil mm -hmm. 2 Remake, you know, Street Fighter Five came out, which I didn't like how that launched, but the game is great. The game itself yeah. is great. So Capcom is just on this, it seems like this unstoppable rise back to their their former glory. So I have such respect for that company now. Konami, not so... I was I, waiting for you to say it. <laughs> I have such a pent-up rage. And love. Konami. And love. It's a love-hate relationship with Konami because I love their history of games so much that I want them to be better. You know, and I understand they're a Japanese business. As long as they're making their money in Japan, they don't care about anything that's going on over here. I get that. But as a gamer and a fan of their series, mind you, I haven't played World Core yet. It's been on my PS4 since it came out and I haven't touched it yet. So I, I, I can't I can't judge it yet myself. Well, but putting Road Core aside, we'll do them, definitely. <laughs> but putting Road Core aside, just the last great thing I feel they did was Lords of Shadow, Mirror of Fate. Yeah. Because I, I didn't like 2 that much. After that, I feel like Konami just died. Like, yeah. there's no new Castlevanias, no Silent Hill, no Contras. They're doing all these pachinko machines. I want to see them back to where they were. Um, which I don't even know, like, how it would be if they turned around and suddenly wanted to be Capcom and just get back in the winning graces of gamers again. Because... Do they even have the talent left anymore? It feels like everyone already left the company, all their talented developers. I think so. Yeah, they, so they, they don't have because they don't have the Silent Hill team anymore. They don't have the uh, they don't have Kojima. They don't have uh, what's the other series that they had? Uh, yeah, Metal Gear, Silent Hill, uh, Castlevania. Yeah, Castlevania. They don't. Yeah, they don't have Go. the Castlevania guy. But the guy. Um, uh, Koji, Koji Garashi, he's willing to go back to make another. He wants to make Battle of Ninety Nine. I think every Castlevania fan wants that. You know that it's so. God, that's another whole topic, Castlevania. Because like even with Castlevania, there's so many, there's so many holes in the story. Yeah, that have remained unexplained. Where the series just skipped around, and that's the big one. That's the big one that never got addressed. So I, I think. I don't know how Konami doesn't realize this. If they come out with a Demon Castle War 1999 game, every single Castlevania fan is going to buy it. Like, there's not one that won't buy that game. So that's what I mean. I'm not going to bash a company just to bash them because companies have their ups and downs. Yeah. But I want Konami to be where Capcom is now. And they used to be in the same place in my mind. Mm -hmm. But I think Capcom has just elevated themselves so much above konami that it just, it makes them look really bad and i just yeah. want them to get back to where they were i want those all i want all those games back i want that quality do you remember back in like the super nintendo days the original konami like da -da 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 -da, and you had yeah. that like little purple laser come down and the orange and red logo you knew you were in for a quality experience whenever you saw that where is that now you know one franchise i want them to bring back and they kind of sort of did but they didn't it didn't do well I want them to bring back Sparkster. Oh man, I used to love yeah, Rocket Knight. Yep. Oh my god, that was well, <laughs> they did bring it back for PS3. You remember they had like a little yeah. 
downloadable. It, I have it was okay. It wasn't bad, but it was it was very forgettable. Yeah. Um, one thing I didn't like about that is the original Sparkster was very cool to look at, very bright colors, and then this new one was just kind of bland looking. But um, I agree with that Sparkster. If that came back, but that's what I mean. They have such a massive library of, of titles that fans are just oozing at the mouth to come back. Yeah. <sighs> Speaking of which, man. No. Well, <laughs> Speaking of which, I like that Capcom is talking about reviving old IPs. Yes. Because what does that mean? Uh, it's not Resident Evil because that's already revived. So if you go through their catalog, I mean, are we getting another Dino Crisis? I think it's possible. You know, they want to do another Strider because that remake was good. <sighs> I love that remake. I lo- People have been asking me since I started streaming and... <laughs> Since I started streaming, I have requests up the ass for games. All the, I literally have a notebook just filled with games that I'm going to get to eventually. <laughs> I've had Strider since day one on that list, and I still haven't gotten to it. <laughs> but I, yeah, Strider, I got that on Xbox One when it first came out. That's another game I fell in love with this generation. Um, I love that game. It was such an awesome, and graphically, it looked really good. Wasn't it made by... Um, was it Havoc or something? Ha- uh, Havoc Studios. Yeah, Havoc. St- they're not around anymore, right? I don't think so. Yeah, they did such a good job with that series. So if Capcom brought that back, I'd buy it day one. But Dino Crisis is the one I've been... More so than a new Dino Crisis, I want a Dino Crisis remake in the style of Resident Evil 2. I think that'd be awesome. Oh, man. <clears throat> can, you, um, can you imagine... And I think we are in this resurgence of uh, Capcom being... I, I, I think it's safe to say Capcom is back and they're willing to make more risks or take more risks. And I think also because the last decade or so, they weren't doing so hot. Like, especially with the right. PlayStation 3, 360 era, I feel like a lot of the Japanese companies kind of lost their way in that era. For sure. So I do think... Capcom is going to come back with like I think there's too many hints in Street Fighter 5 that they're going to do Dark Starker. I mean the costumes they keep dropping. I That's think, true. I, I think again I think they're just testing the waters. I think they want to bring back Dark Starkers. I think they want to bring back Rival Schools. Um, I What else do they have? Captain I want them Mando. to bring back uh, Ghouls and Ghosts. Yes. I would love Ghouls and Ghosts. They need to bring that back hard. You remember the Maximal series? What did you think of that? You know what's funny? I never played those because when they came out back in the day, I didn't know they were linked to Ghouls and Ghosts. I thought it was a whole separate thing, mm-hmm. so I wasn't interested in them. But as I got older and I realized they were linked, I was like, what the hell? If I knew that, I would have absolutely played them. So I, I've i gotten that request a lot for those, by the way, so I am going to stream those sometime. But it's going to be fun streaming those because I've, I've never played them, so I'm going to be going in blind to them. I've heard the Maximo series is awesome. Though. I've heard it kicks ass. Nice, nice. So if they, um, so since we were talking about these Japanese companies, so what is your thoughts on this uh, current Switch, Nintendo Switch obsession that, you know, content creators and the media have? Like, you know, I hate it. No Switch, no buy. I, I hate it for one. I don't hate the Switch. I love the Switch. I think it's a great console. I love mine. Personally, I just use it for exclusives because. To me, I'm always going to prefer... I don't care about the portability factor. So for me, I'm always going to prefer to play on a dock. So that means I'm going to buy 
multi-platform games on Xbox or PS4. But one thing I can't stand about this Switch obsession on YouTube is I feel like, and this doesn't go to everyone, but I'm not going to name drop anyone either. A lot that's, of creators, <laughs> a lot of creators on YouTube jumped on the Switch hype uh, just to get the views because it's hot right now. Yeah. So they focus all their content on Switch, excited about Switch games, and then when a Switch game that they're excited about comes out, they don't even play the damn thing. Uh, like they don't, they don't talk about it again. They just build all this hype. And then they move on to the next thing. So that's I, I can't stand all the Switch obsession. It is a great console. It's a genuinely fun console full of awesome games. But I don't think everyone from a creator point of view mm-hmm. treats it with that level of respect. I think they're doing it more now because Nintendo stuff gets a lot of views and they want a lot of views. They don't care so much about the games that come out for it. Uh, another thing I can't stand is that Nowadays, and you saw this with Devil May Cry 1, a lot of people don't couldn't care any less about a game until it gets a Switch port. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, where were you when like, when Devil May Cry 1 came out? Suddenly, you had all these people that are like, oh, wow, it's coming to the Switch. I'm going to get it. Well, where were you when the HD collection came out a couple of years ago, the 1, 2, and 3, that you can get for like $15 now? Yeah. But you're going to pay like 20 bucks for Devil May Cry 1 by itself? On the Switch, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It just, I, I can't relate to it. It doesn't make sense to me. It's the you know, cult of Switch. It, it's just people get excited about something being on the Switch that's been out on a million other, like, you remember when Turok came out? Yeah. Dinosaur Hunter? Everyone was excited about that. I had that a year before on Xbox One. People had it a year before that on Steam. Mm-hmm. So uh, people had it 20 years ago on N64. So that, that's what, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, that's one of the things like I, I find a lot of irritation with a lot of these content creators that are these Nintendo Switch channels that they, and, and I'll straight say it, you know, I, I can take the smoke, bring the smoke. I want the smoke. <laughs> I want the smoke. Uh oh. I can't stand when these fucking channels hype a game to high hell and then that's it. They don't play it, you yeah. know, or they, they throw out these reviews that they probably paid played like maybe an hour or two of the game like i've seen so many nintendo switch channels where they talk about um a game and i'm listening to what they're saying in the review and i'm like you don't even know what the fuck you're talking about because you didn't even play the goddamn game well, if you're friends with them you could see how long they played it yes and i am so, and, that's and it's like wait a minute what do you mean you played it negative 20 minutes oh my god i I know i know exactly what you mean and that's one of my main problems with it they'll they'll make a video about a game build up a bunch of hype get a bunch of views and then when it comes out they don't even talk about it and they'll move on to another one there are some channels out there that cover switch stuff that are really good you know like um i think josh is here your player too he Mm -hmm. used to do he he used to do a lot of like um switch accessories and different things videos on that and he has genuinely great stuff. He does just mm-hmm. build up a bunch of a bunch of, of BS and then never talk about it again. You know, you can tell when someone genuinely likes a game or or the products around a, a console mm-hmm. versus someone that's just like, "This is hot right now on YouTube. Let me make a bunch of videos about it." And then that's it. Because my my thing is, and this is one reason I like to operate my channel the way I do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I like to have a variety of stuff because that's how I am in life. I'm not loyal to a specific company, specific game type. I'll play pretty much anything besides I don't care about sports games, but I'll play pretty much anything I enjoy. You know, what's going to happen to these Switch channels when the Switch isn't that hot anymore? It's going to happen. It's a matter of time when the Switch, like when Xbox Scarlet, PS5, whenever the future generation comes out, there's a chance people might not even really talk about the Switch anymore. They might be doing well, but is it still going to be collecting all those massive amount of views? Look Mm -hmm. what happened. A good example, it's not Nintendo related, but go back a couple of years where all these Call of Duty channels popped up. Mm -hmm. That was hot. That was the hot thing on YouTube. Everybody was doing it, and then it just died. Now, if you have a just Call of Duty channel, you're probably not getting as many views as you would have years ago. So that's why I think if if you're going to be a serious content creator... I do think it's important to have, uh, you know, not put all your eggs in one basket, have, have a variety of different things that you like to go over on your channel, you know, without going out of proportion, you know, you don't want to talk about video games and then be cooking a hamburger on stream the next day. You know, that's a completely different thing, but you know, there's a balance to everything. You went there. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Am I wrong? No. Like imagine if tomorrow I post Castlevania timeline part, whatever. And then two days later, I'm like, here I am grilling a cheeseburger. This is how you cut onions. Like, it's a completely different thing, you know? So that's what I mean. You got to balance everything out. And that's, in my opinion, that's really how you future-proof a career on YouTube. You're able to to shift to different topics and audiences. Because let's say the Switch dies out, for example. Not the Switch, but let's say Switch videos aren't as popular a year or two from now. Mm Mm-hmm. What if they do switch to a different topic? Like, I don't know, PS5, for the sake of argument. Well, who's to say that their audience is going to care about that? They've all been conditioned already to just watch Switch videos. Okay. You know? So it's it's future-proofing. All right. So um, are, are we good on time? We can keep going? I'm available on that. You can go as long as you want. That's so I'll let you keep. <laughs> I, I, I literally... What I had on my calendar today... I wrote Mortal Kombat video till 3 p.m. Mikel till infinity for the day. <laughs> so I, I had you available on my calendar. I'm inevitable. For... <laughs> <laughs> I had you on my calendar till whenever you want to. Okay. So, and, and, and folks, I, I don't know if you guys in the audience realize we have been trying to get this going for almost oh, a year Oh, I was going to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That Yeah, that's another thing. Because I remember when I first met you, you reached out to me on Twitter like you do to everyone else. Like, yeah. my name is Mikkel, Hawaii's number one podcast. Would you like to be interviewed? And I was like, you know what? I checked out your channel. I was like, I like this guy's stuff. Sure. That was, I think that was over a year ago now. Yeah. So we've just <laughs> been like, at the time I was so busy. I was like, let's schedule for January. January came. Something would just always pop up. We actually met in person at E3, have been close friends ever since. And just yeah. every month I'm like, I'll be available this day, this day, this day. And it's just... And I, it was usually something on my end. It was usually a scheduling conflict. But now I was like, I'm just going to pick a day in November, put it on the calendar, and that's it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was a challenge. It was a challenge making time for it. But it's fun, man. I, I love your podcast. I really do. Like, when I'm editing, and for, for you guys in the chat that aren't subscribed to him, make sure you do. Because, seriously, you learn a lot. I've learned a ton from your podcast. I really have, just from people in the industry. Because you interview some people in the industry and a lot of people have that misconception that 
you have to be this enormous channel to make contacts and talk to people. I, I've made a ton of contacts just from stuff I've learned from you and your channel. You know, just how you operate, how you conduct yourself, and how you communicate with companies. And it, it's such a misconception, and I know you know this, that it, it's such a myth that you have to be this PewDiePie level size channel yeah. to get sponsors or whatever you're trying to do to network yourself and market to companies or even bigger YouTubers. It's about how you talk to people and how you behave, you know? Yeah. And, and that's one of the things like, especially with this podcast, like, as you know, like this podcast has gone everywhere from politics to voice actors to where it is now, where, mm -hmm. you know, it's just I, my way is, what I want to do with the show is like, how can I give back? How can I dispel all this misinformation that's out there? Because as a content creator, there's so much misinformation that is out there in the sense of, oh, you need, like you say, you got to have, you know, PewDiePie level subscribers to have a company work with you, or you've got to have so many people following you on Twitter, or so many people following you on Instagram or whatever. And it's not true. Right. And the reason I have found it to not be true, <clears throat> and um, and, and you know, I'm not gonna, even though I normally name drop, I'm protecting. You, you don't want the smoke. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want the smoke from the game industry. <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. So one of the things that um, some people, mean people in the gaming industry that I've interviewed, and some that I'm soon to interview, have informed me of is the reason that your numbers don't really matter is because it's so easy for people to just buy subs or buy numbers. So if a, if a company looks at like, there are a lot of channels that got 500,000, 300,000 or a million subscribers and barely average a thousand views. So yeah. it's like, well, and another thing too, not even just about views, just, Overall, how you conduct yourself on a public level is really important. For example, I was, again, I won't name drop, but I was talking to a channel that I was helping that got their channel stolen. Mm -hmm. um, guy had like, I think it was like 300,000 subs or something. Mm -hmm. So I was telling him what I went through, and I, I told him I was talking to my YouTube partner manager, which is not an MCN. It, it's someone, for those that don't know, YouTube will, I don't know how they select creators, but that like up-and-coming creators, they'll reach out to them and assign a point of contact directly within YouTube. So mm -hmm. if you need anything, you reach out to them. So this guy with like 300,000 subs reached out to me and I'm talking to him about everything that happened to me when I got hacked. And he was like, how did you get an, uh, or how did you get a partner manager? I don't have one, but this guy is 300,000 subs, you know? So you would think if numbers were the only thing that mattered, mm -hmm. it would be flipped. But that just that just doesn't work for sponsors. That works for just across the board, how everyone reacts to you. So it always is important how you conduct yourself publicly. Yeah. And you know, I'm not saying you have to wear a mask, you know, be yourself. Like for me, I mean, you met me in real life. I'm the same way I am on videos. <laughs> yeah. Like that's it's just I'm just me, you know? Yeah. But um it's important to be yourself while at the same time being mindful. This is if you want to be serious about YouTube. If you just do it as a hobby, do whatever you want. But if you want to be serious about YouTube, you you do need to be somewhat aware of how your public image looks and, and how you operate. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of content creators, and, and we're going to dive into, you know, 
ways for uh, creators can protect their channel because I really want to touch on that. And I actually want to let you talk about your experience, you know, having your channel taken away because I, you know, I'm not going to name names, but I want to smoke. I saw an interview that you were on and the person didn't let you talk and, you know, we we don't play that shit over here. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, and that, and that, uh, <laughs> that's how it is. But, the whole hacking situation was this sounds weird, but I, I think you'll understand what I mean mm-hmm. in a way. I'm kind of grateful for it because it, it, it taught me how unsafe I was and it was mm-hmm. stuff that I could have controlled. So that's why now I'm trying to really reach out to creators and let people know what to do. You know, I won't go into how it happened because everyone already knows that story already fake sponsor reached out, downloaded malware, took my channel from me, but in that time, so I had the same password, like 90% of the population for everything, just because it's convenience. You know, you know it's not the safest thing, but you never know something like this. You never think something like this is going to happen to you. Yeah. You know, you always hear about it, but it's never going to happen to you. And it happened to me. So I had the same password for everything. I didn't have, apparently, I didn't have two-step notification on for YouTube, which... um Honestly, Boogie2988, he had it on and he still got hacked. So that's not even foolproof. Mm-hmm. Um, to protect yourself as a creator, the best thing to do, you, you have to have a different password for everything. Have a different password for everything. I have a really complicated password for every single thing now. Back then, it was like seven seven words and a number. You know, seven letters and a number. That, that's not safe at all, you know. Um, have two-step notification on, turn on for everything. And the most important thing is this right here, security key. This is what I was talking to you about. Mm-hmm. These things, I didn't, my, my buddy Think Noodles, he's another channel that reached out to me and helped me out a little bit. He told me about these. I didn't even know they existed. It's just a little USB device. It's called a security key. Um, it acts as a second verification. So let's say, for example, I'm using someone else's computer. I'm logging into YouTube. It's going to ask me for my password. And the second question it's going to ask insert your security device. Let's say I get hacked again. What are they going to do at that point? Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't have the device. You just, you stick it in the USB slot and then tap this. So it reads your finger and you're in. So it, it doesn't get much safer than this. These things are like 25 bucks. I got it on the Google store. There's some third party ones that are cheaper, but I just got the Google one for 25 bucks. And you know, these are all little things, little investments that could have saved me two weeks of, insane amount of stress you know and another thing too the whole process youtube has i have to give them some credit because at the end of the day they got my channel back Mm -hmm. uh and not in six weeks like it's happened to some other creators i was out 12 days only Mm -hmm. which doesn't sound like a lot but imagine taking two weeks off your job without pay i mean it 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 matters you know it's something but um, yeah, during that time, I had to uh, blow up this shitstorm on Twitter. Yeah. Like every single day I was hounding YouTube. Every single day I was tagging others, asking my community to help. And it sucks because I'm not that kind of person. I hate doing that because I feel like people a lot of times do that for attention. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't stand doing that. But in this specific scenario, YouTube left me no choice. There, There's no point of contact. 
And yeah, I have a partner manager, but all my partner manager could do is forward me to creator support. And all they can do is forward my situation to the hijacking team mm -hmm. that they don't have any communication with. So I, at its core, the whole support system, it, it needs a revamp. It really does. I don't, I don't buy this whole excuse that a lot of people give YouTube a pass because it's big and there's a lot of channels. To me, that's not really a valid defense because YouTube knows how big they are. Yeah. They should be ready to handle these kind of situations. And it, it doesn't seem like when these things happen, it doesn't seem like it seems like they're just scrambling and don't know what to do. I was one of the lucky ones for two reasons, because I got my channel back in only two weeks and because I even got my channel back. Some people never get their channel back. So I, I can't stress enough how important it is to make sure you're safe. Doesn't matter how many subscribers you have. Someday you'll grow and you'll be thankful that you spent like 20 bucks to buy a USB security key or took time out to change all your passwords. You know, there's just so many things you can do to protect yourself that I wasn't doing. So that's why I say in a way I am kind of thankful it happened because what if this happened when I had like 200,000 subs? And I lost my channel. It'd be way worse. Yeah. You know, so I'm glad it happened now that I have the knowledge and I'm educated on security and I can protect myself moving forward. Yeah. I mean, another thing I really didn't like about that situation was how uh, the responses, it, it took you like a week and a half until you got someone at YouTube that really was answering your questions, really trying to work with you. I mean, you know, and oh, I, hang I, on a second. I think uh, my headset turned off. Oh, no, no, you're good. You hear me? It's turning back on. Okay. Can you hear me? I hear you. you All hear right. Me? Yeah, sometimes it disconnects. I can hear you now. We're still in the DeLorean, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, you know, the thing I really hated was how the responses was. It took a week and a half for you to get someone that legitimately was trying to work with you and help you. And the, the way the responses of the person from YouTube, I was like, is this person in the Middle East or the Philippines? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah. And um, of course, YouTube doesn't really come forward with how their structure is set up. Mm -hmm. But what it seemed to me, and this is just what I gathered from the way they talk and the support level I was getting. I think that the initial creator support response is someone overseas because you, you saw the response they were giving me. It was like broken yeah. English. And I was like, wait, this doesn't even apply to what I'm telling you. But whenever I actually got someone real on on twitter messages from team youtube which by the way why do i have to go on twitter for help that's like that's like me having trouble with walmart and going to target to complain <laughs> you know, it, it's like, that, like an analogy but it's true it's like you know like why can't i'm having issues with youtube why can't i just go to youtube why do i have to go to another platform just to get help and then fight for two weeks to get it you know it doesn't make any sense makes no sense but that's what I think. I think whatever like higher level team that they have that actually does something, mm -hmm. I think those are the ones based in California. Yeah. And they're the ones that actually have something to do. Because the guy I spoke with that actually got my channel back, the guy straight up told me it's a 24-hour process. So what were they doing the other 11 days when they were telling me that my request is being worked on? What did that mean? That means it was just sitting in a pile with a million other hack channels. And they hadn't even touched it. So uh, they weren't even being honest about it, you know? And, and I would have been a lot more calm 
had they just told me like, you know, you're whatever spot you're in, we're going to get to you around this time frame. Yeah. There's just all I got was, oh, there are no updates. It's like, what do you mean? There's no updates. Like, what what does that even mean? So it's no updates because they weren't doing anything until this actual person stepped in and actually got my channel back in 24 hours. So that's it. He's like, I escalated the request, and we all they have to do is recover your Google account. That's all yeah. they have to do. So I don't know. Incredibly stressful situation. It's just it's so important to protect yourself. And also to help others and educate others because, you know, you, to me, I don't see YouTube as a competitive. I don't see it a competition. To me, I see other creators as my peers because yeah. we already are in an environment where we're new media. We're the enemy to all these legacy companies, legacy yeah. news outlets and whatever. So when you have all this internal fighting with YouTubers competing with each other, that, that's that's what legacy media wants. We're new media. We are the future. So that's why it's so important to help each other out. And that's why and I'll, I'll go ahead and bring in a little bit of smoke here. But Go for it. I'm ready. I won't say names, but mentally I've been taking names. Because I know that there's several people that once I started growing on YouTube will reach out to me for help. Will reach out to me for whatever A, B, C, D reasons. And have you on their podcast, Mikhail? You asked me to. <laughs> but when I needed help, and people that I don't even know, people that I didn't even know were viewers, creators that I didn't even know who knew who I am, reached out to help. Were tagging people and retweeting, but these other people were just quiet. And then later on, like, oh, it's a shame what happened to you. It's like, well, where were you yeah. when I needed help? So. Yeah, I, I took names mentally. Like, I'll remember things like that. You know, so it's just creators got to help each other. <laughs> they, they really do. You know, just <laughs> when something like that happens, just seeing it and then clicking the heart doesn't really do anything. So, yeah, it's it's it was a crazy situation. Man, but it will never happen again. Ever. I, I thought we were about to, you know, I was ready to stoke the fire and get the casting of a campfire going. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're welcome to. I'm down for it. I'm just <laughs> like I like I told you, <laughs> like I told you before. I, I you notice whenever yeah. people are you know when people are reaching out to you because you're growing. Yeah, you know there's certain people that I've reached out to in the past that I've tried talking to, didn't give me time of day at all until I pass them in subscribers. Yeah, suddenly the table flipped. And I mean that I'll leave it at that. You know, it's you notice these things. I you know? I know, I know. Um, I know. Uh, I've dealt with a lot of that. You know, over the last this this year actually, since I finally got above ten thousand this year, and then it's amazing how quickly people change, and everyone wants to be your friend, and you know, uh. I, I don't know if everyone's feeling a little chilly, but I feel like we should start a little campfire because I got some things. I got some things to say. And for those of you who are watching, if you're not familiar with the Gas Nova Campfire, Fabian trademarked the name for me. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it's our way of, uh, or my way rather, to uh, rant and then get demonetized by YouTube. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> So it, it is what it is. But, you know, one of the things I've learned 
and I've seen as a content creator, like literally until you start making some type of way, people don't really care who you are and other creators. It's unfortunate that it's like this, but a lot of other creators, you know, a lot of them are out to either manipulate or use you. And it's really rare for you to find good people yeah. on this platform. Like, honestly, I've been on the platform for three years and I met you in person, what, four months ago, five months ago. Yeah. And sure. we're like best, we're like best friends now, you know, yeah. you know, me, me and you and me and Josh are, are your player too, you know, and, and some of the, the viewers and I'm talking about just other content creators. Now I've made a lot of friends that are viewers, but just speaking on content creators as a whole, I've two of my best friends, honestly, my only best friends on YouTube are Gamer Thumb TV and your player too. I've had a lot of people that have tried to buddy buddy up to me just to use me because, oh, you got this contact for this company. Oh, you're able to get, oh, you got this person on your show. Oh, let me get on your show. You know, let me do this. Let me do that. And it's like, no, when I was starting this, you didn't fucking care what I was trying to do. Well, you people you haven't heard from for years. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I had this one YouTuber. I, I'm sorry for interrupting you and being oh, no, you're like good. that other public, like the other podcaster. <laughs> but I have to say this because there's this YouTuber. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm dropping the name. Games and Wario. <laughs> no idea who that is. So that guy hit me up out of nowhere. And if you're watching, fuck you. Um, <laughs> he hit me up, right? <laughs> hit me up out of nowhere. Um, right before E3, right before E3, um, saying how he wanted to work with me and he could help me get to E3 next year, but he wanted me to use my connections to help him because he said God put it on his heart that I'm supposed to be in his life to help him. This dude got over 27,000 subscribers. Uh, Chris Levy, the person that, whose name I said was Games and Wario. Fuck that guy. Anyway. Any sense. Yeah. So he wanted me because he's like, you know, I'm doing YouTube full time. I'm doing all this full time. And, um, you know, I just, uh, God put it on my heart that you're supposed to help me. And, you know, then he tried to pull the whole black card. Oh, you know, since we're both black and, you know, brothers got to help each other out. And I'm like, I can't stand that. <laughs> I can hate it. It's like, you haven't talked to me in years and you want my help because we're the same race. Yeah. Like, like I don't know you. <clears throat> yeah. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, with, with that kind of situation. And that's, you've dealt with that a lot more than I have <laughs> because <laughs> you, you told me all the stories of people that reach out to you. Like the second you start growing for me, like I'll, I'll kind of those kind of people I've dealt with, but I'm just kind of short with them. Like, you know, I'll be friendly with you, but I'll kind of keep you at arm's length because I, I know what you're trying to do, you know? So I, I try to keep my friend circle really, really small. That's how I am in real life though. I've had the same friends since like some of my friends, my best friends offline are childhood friends. You know, some of them are from high school. I've always had a small circle of friends because there's always someone out there that's going to want something out of you when you have something. You know, yeah. Um, but you know, one of the most surprising things to me on YouTube that um, I experienced that one thing you realize, well, one thing you don't realize actually is better said, whenever you start becoming a creator, 
is the amount of friends you could potentially make. Like even creators, viewers, like when the whole hacking situation happened with me, like I saw who was genuinely concerned for me and my well-being. Uh, even across viewers, I got to say, for my viewers that are watching this, like my community on my channel kicks ass. Like they came out in droves supporting me. Some people, again, that have been watching me for years that just kind of usually lurk that I don't even know. I know Ro Rogue Dragon, I know he's in the chat uh, that I, I can't really see at the moment, but uh, that Rogue Dragon, huge shout out to him because, man, he was every day on top of my channel just messaging me on Patreon saying, hey, this is getting posted, that's getting posted, you know, what do you want me to tell people? And he was going in, and this is like, he's not an employee of mine. It's just, yeah. it's someone that genuinely cares. And and those are the kind of good people you meet, among others too. There's other people that, that helped out also. But there's all kinds of people you meet on YouTube that are genuinely really good people that actually grow to care about you and your channel, viewers, other creators alike. But you, you, at the same time, like you were saying, you have to be careful uh, of certain people because certain people are just looking for a quick payday on your back, you know? Yeah. So um, it, it's, it's like real life. You just got to be careful who you associate with. Because you really, I, I've always operated under the um, uh, the whole belief where you are who you are surrounded by, mm -hmm. you know. So you always want to keep that close circle of of people that you trust, that care for you, that you care for them, and then at arm's length, <laughs> kind of everyone else, while still being friendly and not an asshole. <sighs> so yeah, it's uh, yeah, people. It, it can be like that sometimes, and and. Mm -hmm. There are times, there are times, like, I know for me, you know, and especially in the situation you were going through, Fabian, like, I even, I kept tabs on, I kept a tally of names of people I'm over here like, why aren't you doing something? I'm not going to name names. I've already dropped one name, but, you know, it's, it's just one of those situations, like, why aren't you doing something? Like, there are even people that surprised me that I went to to try and get some help for this and they have a i know like in a sense i'm stuttering on that but it, you know, i'm trying not to say something that can't no, take back but you know it's like people that you and i combined don't even have the reach that they have you know yep and it it, it just it, it pissed me off no yeah and i know exactly what you're talking about um there's another um there's one YouTube creator, and this kind of, I mean, it takes a lot for me to get upset, so I kind of don't care. But at the same time, this is kind of like, well, guy's an asshole. Uh, there's one specific creator that's got a very large following that I tagged constantly. If you go through my history, you probably know who it is. I tagged constantly when I needed the help that covers situations like this all the time when it's a huge channel. Uh, multiple people in my audience were tagging this person got nothing the other day another channel got hacked that had a huge following guy makes a video the next day yep. so and that that's what bothers me and you get these huge channels like these huge news channels that they will only cover a situation like that if they can collect a large amount of views from it if it's a large channel that it happens to and overall i think that's just that that's a big poison on the platform you know like you don't have these big creators looking out for everyone. Uh, they're looking out for their view count. And one person, I, one person I do have to give props to 
is tipster for one reason. He gets a lot of shit for being a drama news channel. I don't particularly like those channels. I don't really follow them. Mm-hmm. But I did reach out for him to help because I, I consider myself a friend of the channel. I used to be watch, be there watching his gaming content all the time, which he doesn't really do anymore. But I messaged that guy, and he was on vacation with his wife, and he still got back to me. And he, he I mean, we were paragraphs messaging back and forth, and he told me that when he gets back, he's going to make a video on it. He asked me questions. Like, he was on vacation, and he still did this. You know, where other channels wouldn't even give me the time of day. And then he made a video on it and he did mention it. It was it was after the fact, after the problem was resolved. But to me, that just shows something in a person, you know, that's that others don't have in them, that others don't care to have in them. You know, and it's like the the one person who, you know, I set up that three way conversation with mm-hmm. you and I and I'm like. I gave him shit for it later on because then he's like, oh, you know, what's the status of the situation? I'm like, why does it matter? I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter at that point. I'm like, dude, you met Fabian. Like, yeah. we, we, we had dinner. We were all kicking it at that barcade. You know, you got to meet him. We were all having a good time, you know. And, dude, I said, I don't ask you for a favor. And you owe me. Why can't? Why couldn't you have just done that? He's yeah. like, oh, well, I wasn't feeling good. I was like, I don't believe that because you got like four videos dropping every day on some drama. Yeah. Just, co- just cover this. So it's like, I told him, I'm like, dude, we're still uh, like, we're still friends, but you, you know, I know what box to, yeah. to put you in. You know, basically, you know who to go to and who not to go to in the future if yeah. someone needs whatever. Toy Bounty Hunters that you put me in touch with, great yeah. guy. Super nice guy. He jumped at the chance to help me out. He's not even a huge channel, and he still decided to make a video on it. He made follow-up videos. He's been helping other YouTubers with the same situation, too. That's what I mean. Like, if you're if you're a YouTube creator, it's important to have a circle of, of, of YouTube friends. That yeah. And actually, I don't even like saying YouTube friends, because honestly, you're a closer friend to me than most of my actual offline friends. Because when you're when you're on YouTube, it's it's a different universe. Yeah. Like that's something people don't understand. That's something you can't understand unless you're in here. Like my, my own fiance doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. How like I have some closer friendships with creators than I do with people I meet and see in real life. And it's just like, I, I don't even know what to describe it as. It's like, I, I hate comparing it to the military because it's wildly different, but I, I think you'll, you guys will get what I mean. Like in the military, you know, people are in the same organization. It's almost like a little brotherhood, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of the same idea with YouTube creators. You, you form these special bonds with people that are that are in this grind with you. You know, it's just a completely different level of friendship than people on the outside. Because people, this is a challenge I had when I first started. People on the outside that aren't in the YouTube thing, mm-hmm. they don't get it. Like they don't understand like what you're doing. They don't understand what you're doing and why you devote so much time to it and how someone you talk to typing can become a close friend. You know, it's it's a different universe. Um, but like I said, I would never get up for anything. That's why whenever I got hacked, I, I posted on Twitter because a lot of people kept reaching out to me, which I appreciate. I don't want to seem ungrateful. I do appreciate that people kept reaching out to me asking if I was doing okay mentally. Um but it was important for me that people didn't feel sorry for me because when that happened, like in my mind, like I'm not a victim. 
when that happened to me, it was time to go to war. And I was going to get my channel back. And people were like, well, what if you don't get your channel back? Not an option. I'm getting it back. So just every day doing what I needed to do. Weren't but, some people saying, like, make a second channel? And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, some people that? were like, why don't you just make a second channel? It's like, why? Like, I don't. And another thing, too, which this blew my mind, and I, I extremely appreciated it. Um, I had viewers coming up to me. Well, not coming up to me online. But I had viewers DMing me, like, if you need help with bills this month, you know, start a GoFundMe. I'll donate. You know, people were offering to pay the ransom like for my channel and i was like well like that's why i instantly was like i don't want anyone's money you know i yeah. i don't because to me as a creator i i think that's the worst thing someone could do that to me that's taking advantage of your audience you know my audience I, any creator's audience the best thing you could do to support them is go on the traditional route watch their videos patreon become channel member super chats those things i don't want someone's money because some criminals holding my channel hostage you know but it really like it really warmed my heart because seeing the the amount of viewers that actually care enough to offer something like that even if i would have never taken that money just having that being offered you're like wow like people actually care this much like it just really opened my eyes to how how much i'm never going to stop doing this like it's just it's that important to me i'm at that level where this is my career until I dropped dead. Like that's it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. <laughs> second channel wouldn't solve anything. I was just reading Rogue Dragon's comment. How would a second channel even solve any? It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. I would just. I would be starting from scratch for some. Why would I do that? Doesn't make any sense. Is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um. I remember when you showed that to me, and I was like. Yep. <laughs> it's funny, too, what I was saying. This goes back to what I was saying a couple minutes ago about how people outside of YouTube don't really understand, like, what it's like. Because even my own fiance, I told her, like, people are offering, like, to pay this ransom. And they're offering to go fund me. And she's like, well, why don't you take it? You might need the help. And I was like, no. And, and she thought, like, she was, I mean, she just wanted the family taken care of. I get it. Like it's about bills and paying them. She, she's like, but people are willing to help you. Don't, don't have that high ego. Don't try not to accept help. And I was like, but that's the thing. Like that's, that's what you don't get. Like as a creator, I would feel like that's me abusing my audience. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and that's something you can't teach. That's something like you just, as a creator, that's something you just have to learn. Like you just, you don't do things like that. And, you know, <clears throat> I, I guess we can touch on this too. It's like, being a, a creator, especially when you make this your full-time job um, or career, not job, rather, um, it's a very, it's a very lonely place if you don't have people yeah. that are in the foxhole with you. Yeah. And, dude, I got to thank you, like, real talk, real talk, and I'm trying not to, you know, shed some thug tears here, but, <laughs> dude, you know I've been dealing with some shit lately. Uh, with my own yeah. family and it's like they don't understand it and sometimes your partners can't understand it and yep. it wears on you <laughs> yeah it, it happens um and i know you and me have had so many late night talks about this because 
we both have spouses and um yeah i i gotta say this mine i love her to death and without her this would not have been possible i mean she was pregnant when i started it was everything logical went out the window when i started my channel everything logically said i should keep my job we had a baby on the way she got oh another thing i didn't touch she got fired like a month after i quit like we didn't even know that was going to happen. Long story short, she got fired because she was pregnant. It happens. Companies, all they have to do is fire you and give a different reason. That's why it happened. So like I said, logically all this shit was happening and she was there by me every single step of the way. Having said that, you know, as well as I do, the spouse isn't always this person that just sits next to you and supports you. Yeah. There were fights plenty of times. There were times when she was doubtful that anything was going to come of this. I need to get another job. I need to do this and that. And sure, there's still times like that. It happens. But when when you decide to go full-time on YouTube, one thing you have to remember, um, of course, if you're not just by yourself in life, which some people are, um, one thing you have to remember is not just you going on this journey. You're, you're taking the people in your life with you. You know, people in your life are going to be affected and it, it's going to it's going to cause bumps in the road. You know, there, there's been situations where I have this nice, clean schedule on the calendar. I'm going to do this that day, this that day. Oh, we got in a fight that day. This got pushed back a week. So things like that happen. And that's why it's so important as a creator. You, you have to have a balance between content creation, and your personal life, because it's going to affect your personal life in some way. And it, it's up to you whether it's going to affect your personal life in a positive way, or if it's going to be another stress factor to you and your family. So, and that's something, you know, I'm not the perfect YouTuber. That's something I struggle with weekly. <laughs> that's probably something I'm always going to struggle with, but um, it's part of it, man. That's why when, whenever people decide to go full time, it's not sunshine and rainbows, man. It, it, it's, it's harder than any job I've ever had aside from just creating content. It's like three to four full-time jobs wrapped in one. Yeah. And somehow I have to manage a family and a social life. So that that's the reality of it. And I'm not trying to scare anyone away, but it's important to know the reality behind what it is. It, it's, it's a really difficult undertaking. And I know you, since you've started it, you've personally, I know I told you about these things, but I know you've been experiencing a lot of that, you know, and that's, yeah, you have to. It's just, it's part of the process. It's part of the process. It makes you a lot stronger and it teaches you. That's the most important thing. It teaches you. And, and before I say what I'm about to say, Zachary Powell, shout out to you, man, for becoming a, a patron on my Patreon. Oh, you nice. didn't have to do that. I appreciate you doing that. Um, you know, all the content I put out, the same thing Fabian says, you know, we put out content is free. If you want to support, you know, watching our content, sharing it liking it that helps but if you want to take that step further we greatly appreciate you folks doing that so one thing i do want to say about that too touching on like patreon and, and all that stuff um i've had people tell me like oh i want to donate more but this is all i can afford right now one thing to realize this is me talking to viewers is even if you support a creator by just giving a dollar a month like it's still just the fact that you're doing that makes a huge difference. 
because there are situations when creators, I know mikel has been demonetized sometimes for no reason, <laughs> all the damn time for no reason, but there's creators getting demonetized. There's a lot of issues on the platform and there's reasons creators aren't making as much as they should. So like, even if it's a dollar or whatever you decide to donate, like that's, that's awesome. I mean, that does help out that, and you know, it, it might not help pay an electric bill because it's only a dollar, right? But mm -hmm. mentally, you're like, okay, I'm doing something right. My community cares about my content. It's really uplifting seeing that. So the yeah. dollar amount doesn't matter. So I just want to make that clear for anyone that, because I've had that issue several times where someone will just be like, man, I don't get paid. I can't donate. It's like, that's okay. It's yeah. okay. You know, and the one thing, I'm glad you and I, we don't do this. I've seen some other I'm going off on a tangent and I meant to come back and I will come back people to my point, but you know, campfire just got a little warmer, you know, I'm feeling a little toasty. So I'm going to say it. I've seen creators that you can only get in their discord. They will only play games with you online. Oh my God. If you I'm so become, glad you brought that up. If you become a patron, if, yeah. and I'm going to, I'm going to say this to you guys as viewers. If anybody makes you pay to do something that's free, like getting like playing a video game with them or just for them to acknowledge you or just to be in a group chat to talk to them. It's not a creator you want to support. No. Um, yeah. If <laughs> I'm trying to say things <laughs> without saying names. All right. <laughs> I, if any creator, for example, I, I mean, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> If any creator, for example, has a Patreon, right, and you have to pay like $5 a month just to be able to play with them, something like that, it's just, it's disgusting. It really is. Like, for example, and here's one thing they're missing out on, right? If those kind of creators, they think they're missing out on five bucks. Yeah. What they're really missing out on is forming these really strong bonds with their community. That's what they're missing out on, and that is invaluable. You know, like, for example, when I did my Friday the 13th stream and I'm playing with people online, I like doing those streams every once in a while when I have the time. I don't charge people to fucking play with me. You know, like, that's, it's fun. It's your community that comes to your channel, cares about you, watches your content. Why are you going to ask them for money to play a game with you? Yeah. You know, at that point, you're, you're an opportunist. That's what you are. You're an opportunist. You're just looking for, for, for money from your audience. You know, me. I, I always, I always keep my Patreon and stuff there for people that want to donate, and that's why when you look at my Patreon, I don't have a whole list of rewards where you get fucking this this beer bottle with my autograph on it for ten bucks a month. You know, like nobody cares about that. You're not you gonna know, send people like a picture of yourself and smiling, <laughs> say I'm gamer though. Like I'm not gonna send you. <laughs> I'm not gonna send you guys like. Pay me five bucks a month and I'll send you my nudes and freaking lingerie photos. Like, that's ridiculous, you know? And, and that's that's why I always tell people, like, do this only if you want to, you know? Because if it's any other reason, you're going to start getting people donating that just want something, you oh, know? Man. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's the thing. Like, it, it's see, I'm so big, and oh, this is going to get me on another tangent. I, I'm, I'm so I, big on. I got um, a crystal. Let's let's encant this. <laughs> I have so many. I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, Rogue Dragon wants to know when you're gonna sell your bathwater. <laughs> I mean, you guys want my bathwater? I'll sell it. <laughs> you know what, Belle Delphine, that girl that sold her bathwater. 
people were giving her shit props on her yeah. because she figured out how to make figured out how to make money on something ridiculous. Who is buying that? Is my question. If you're buying that, that's on you. Like I know people buy some stupid things in the world. Bath water. Like of course she's gonna sell her bath water. <laughs> oh my god, that made me forget what I was talking about. <laughs> oh no, but um, now I remember. But I'm always the most important thing on my channel, more so than views memberships, whatever is engagement with my audience. I I've learned that that is something you cannot put a price on, you know? And, um, this takes me to all these channels that, you know, all those channels that say that live streaming kills your channel. Oh you know, God. All that... these YouTubers were making videos oh, like Lord. live streaming kills your channel. Here's my analytics. Well, here's the problem with that. At that point, you're only focusing on numbers. You're only focusing on numbers. Yeah. You know, you're, you're forgetting that those numbers represent people. Even if that were true and your channel slightly takes a dip in numbers when you're live streaming, what you're not putting a value on is that engagement with your viewers. That's one thing I've been told repeatedly from my own viewers that they like. They don't care what I'm playing for the most part. They just want to be there to engage and have fun with others. And not just with me. When you build a community, people talk to each other in the chat that's what these channels are missing out on because they're worried that they're not going to get their, their five bucks. Analytics are overrated. Oh, holy crap. I got another pay Shout out to Edward, uh, Edward, um, with the $25 Patreon membership. Uh, Ooh. dude, thank you. Seriously. Um, if you guys are supporting Mikel, <laughs> well worth it. I'm oh serious. I mean that wholeheartedly. You learn a lot from the people he talks to. And I'm not trying to be his hype bitch. Yes, I'm he just, is. <laughs> I, I'm being completely honest. There's very few creators I will say that about that they're worth you investing your your time and money in. Like he's got a great podcast, ton of fun streams that keep me up way too damn late when I got to drop my kid off in the school in the morning. But <laughs> you're worth every penny, man. You really are. Oh, I mean that. Man. Oh, man. I, was, uh, I feel like I interrupted you. You were oh, saying. No, I was done. Oh, no, I finished what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I mean, to touch on what you're talking about, um, about the whole, you know, streaming hurts your channel. We can dive into that. Um, and I'll come back to what I was going to say like three topics ago. <laughs> so, um, there are three people three creators that have been streaming on YouTube and it's done nothing but grown their channels and their brands. First one, you second one, Josh with his, uh, 90 day experiment and third person, me, how has this hurt our channels? Why is this misinformation out there? Yeah. I believe that I know there's some channels that have taken a dive when they've started streaming i don't think streaming's the cause though it, it has to be something else because if you think about it like why would streaming why would it streaming keeps people on the website youtube wants people on the website yeah. for extended periods of time so logically why would that hurt your channel it doesn't make any sense and i, I think it's it's a whole and here is where we can easily get into an hour talking about algorithm experts 
But you've got all these people out there that claim to be algorithm gurus. You don't know shit. You don't. Um, Because I have a contact within YouTube that I took several algorithm classes under her. And I asked several questions. And she doesn't even know how the algorithm works. Because it's it's Skynet. It's a self-learning AI. It's constantly learning daily. One day the algorithm could like something. The next day it might not. You don't know anything about the algorithm. Anyone that pretends to is selling you snake oil. Oh, did you see uh, Chip says that the argument that they were making is YouTube puts you in a different category when you post videos to get buried somehow. Question. How do they know that? Exactly. That's, That's my thing. The, it's, it's guessing. It's all guessing. Why hasn't that happened to me? Why hasn't that happened to you? Why hasn't that happened to Josh? Josh has the data to back it up. Mm-hmm. that he didn't experiment for 90 days and all he did was grow on it to the point where he's thinking of doing it just moving forward yeah you know my channel didn't really start growing steadily until i started streaming like it that's when i really started uh, having a, an accelerated just strategic growth you know it's because i was streaming but um that's why i i think that's bs you know putting all the data aside you know, some big YouTubers will share that, like, oh, here's the proof. It's probably something else, because the algorithm likes and dislikes a combination of a million different things. Mm-hmm. It's not just one thing, you know? So you can't be like, oh, it's the live streaming that did it. Well, what if it's 20 other things and not the live streaming? What if you just live streamed once or twice and didn't do it enough to where, you know, the algorithm's kind of getting used to your channel and knowing where to put you? There's so many factors that when someone tells you they understand the algorithm, they don't. They think they do. I believe people believe they do. But the cold, hard facts is that people working at YouTube don't even understand the algorithm. That's word for word what I've been told by people at YouTube. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that when you're a content creator, oh, <clears throat> and, and you'll... <laughs> You know, um, people that have reached out to me. I'm at the both of go uh, and and being like, <laughs> damn, I almost named, I almost name dropped. No, like I, but not just one. I've had several people actually try to reach out to me, like to take like seminars to learn the algorithm. It's like get the hell out of here. Like I'm not paying you for any. Like what do you mean? You don't know anything. You yeah. don't. I don't know anything. You know, I I just create my content and call it a day. You know. Well, that's the thing about being a YouTube creator. Once you're so obsessed and focused with the numbers, you you've lost what it means to build a connection with your audience. Yeah. That's going to trump anything that the algorithm wants long term. People are looking for this rapid explosion of growth based on numbers, and it shouldn't be rapid. If you're doing it right, you're going to grow slowly and steadily. That's yeah. how you should be doing it. Because you know what? If you grow too fast, you're going to burn down just as fast. Because mm-hmm. you know? that just means people are interested in like one thing you did, and then they're going to go away later, and you're going to be like, where'd all my views go? You know. So you want to see that slow, steady, like with anything in life. You know, it, it, It's slow, steady improvement. Yeah. And, and you know, also for the creators, you got to be consistent. So if you're a creator, th- there are terms that I think we need to stop using like oh i'm a small creator and the reason i'm saying we should stop using it is because of some of the people in the industry i've interviewed have said that when they hear that 
they don't want to work with you. I'm a small creator. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay, well, no, I'm not going to work with you. And it's like, you need to stop saying that. I think people need to start being consistent with their content. I tell my wife that all the time, uh, especially when it comes to her channel. She's like, oh, I don't understand this. I don't understand that. You got Google. Figure it out. This is your brand. This is your baby. You need to learn how to bring your channel, promote yourself. If this is what you want to do, and I'm speaking not only to my wife, but also to myself and to any content creators out there. If you want this as a career or even as a part-time hustle or part-time gig you're doing on the side, you need to give it a hundred percent Yeah, and be consistent. You know what it is? Um, you know that saying dress for the job you want, not for the yeah. one you have or yeah. not, not for the one you're interviewing, whatever. Uh, that's true for YouTube also. If you consider yourself a small creator mentally and publicly, you're going to stay a small creator. Yeah. Because that it's it's very – it's subconscious. It, it's, it's a truly subconscious thing that everyone – not everyone has in them. You have to think of where you want to be and then act like it. You know, so many people focus on their numbers. Like, what is a small creator? I mean, think about that question. What what is it? Five hundred? Is it ten thousand? Is it twenty? What's mm-hmm. a small creator? Because no matter how big you are, someone's bigger than you unless you're PewDiePie. Yeah. So, at, at what? Who dictates what this range is between small and large? We're all content creators that are growing if you're yeah. doing it properly. So, you think of yourself as small? You're going to stay that way. But that goes for anything in life. That's not just YouTube. You know, dress for the job you want. You want to be a big channel? I mean, act like a big channel. Act like you've been doing this forever. Act like you know what you're doing, even if you don't. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing when they first start. Yeah. You know, you you do kind of have to fake it till you make it. Yeah. You know, and I'm still learning every week. I'm still learning when I'm doing YouTube different things. You you never stop learning. You never stop growing as a person and a creator. There's always someone you can learn from. Like I said, you're, you're a smaller channel than me. I've learned a ton from you. So it, it's not about subscriber counts or how big or small you are. It, it, that That's stupid to think like that. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> damn, I lost my train of thought. Keep talking, man. I, I was so caught up <laughs> captivating what you were saying. I hope I didn't interrupt <laughs> you. I don't think I interrupted you. No, 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 no. Um, um, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm trying to find it. It's 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 somewhere floating around. I need to catch it. <laughs> were, were were you rattled? I was rattled, man. I was shaken to the core. <laughs> no, but it's true because I, I see so many creators that some of them in this chat. I see so many creators that are small channels that have so much talent, yeah, but don't take advantage of it. They don't. It's almost like they don't see that they have that potential. You know, and, and, and there's this, I mean, I was even like this before I started. I, I always thought it was so crazy to be successful on YouTube because I thought you had to be this, all these connections and everything. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, anyone can do this. Literally anybody on the planet has the capability to do this. Yeah. Before I did this, I didn't work in the, I was freaking call center employee. I'm just some, some nerd with a family in his office man cave that likes to talk about video games. I'm nobody special. You don't have to be special to do YouTube, you know? Like, you just have to be consistent, be willing to take the hits. And I know that's stereotypical advice, but there's a reason that advice exists out there in the world. It's true. 
you're going to get hit a million times doing YouTube. You're going to get hit a million times in life in general, but doing YouTube specifically, you got to really buckle down, take the difficult times with as much grace as you take all the successes. Because there's more difficult times than ups on YouTube. That's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really... I didn't, I didn't find it yet, but I'm going to bullshit until I get there. No, you know, and, and one of the things that you said I really want to piggyback on when you were talking about uh, how, you know, sometimes you got to figure it till you make it. Like, I'll use it case in point. I was saying, and maybe this is my marketing background speaking too, but I was saying for the first couple of months when I was doing a podcast, like, oh, I'm the number one podcast in Hawaii. I just kept saying it. Was it true at the time? No, I just kept matter. saying, I, I kept saying it until the point where I started to believe it. And when I started believing it, other people started believing it. And then it's like, I mean, look at the intros to damn near every podcast I have. I've got people in the industry, people, actors, celebrities, whoever saying, Hey, this is the number one podcast in Hawaii. I've got analytics to prove it, but I believed I had to believe it. Yeah. I had to believe no matter what my size was as a content creator that I had something of value to bring to people. And when you know that and you have that confidence and you share it with the world, there's nothing wrong with that. And I hate, you know, there's so many, like you said, I, there's so many content creators I see in the chat right now that are incredibly talented beyond anything I know I'm capable of doing. And they have so much to offer, but they won't be able to do that because of their mind. Because yeah. they're so stuck thinking, I'm small. And many of you, I've had conversations with many of you this week, yesterday, past couple of weeks. And I know I can be a very brash, direct person. But my thing is, you have to risk. And I know Jordan Peterson said this, and I'm not sure how people feel about him. But he made a statement before that you have to risk being offensive to get people to think or something along those lines. And I'm not going to pussyfoot with people and bullshit them when I can just tell them straight up, hey, that doesn't look right. Hey, maybe you should change this. Hey, maybe you should stop thinking that you're a nobody and realize that you are somebody and what you have to say and do matters and focus on that. Yeah. Now, everything you're saying is true. Um, Doing YouTube, it's. If I had to put percentages on it, realistically, it's like 30% of the work and 70% your mentality. Yeah. It, it really is. Because not just naturally, not everyone's going to have what it takes. Should, I still don't know if I'm going to have what it takes. I don't know. I'm still working on everything. You know, I, Like I said, I'm not perfect. And I still, I'm still learning and I'm still growing. But um, you know how many times... One thing I want to talk about, because I, I've heard several people on your podcast talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um talking about and it's important to have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. I couldn't disagree more. I, I, I could not disagree more. Did, did you notice For, my facial expression when they all said backup plan? I'm like, Oh, I know. <laughs> and then you'd mm-hmm. message me. <laughs> I'm like, I have so much to say. Um, I get the mentality as human beings. You want to feel safe. You want to feel secure. The reality is that nothing is secure. You can have backup plans A through Z to infinity. Not one of those is going to be secure. You might believe they are. But to me, like when I first started, and this is one 
part where it caused a lot of friction between me and my fiance because she she's very different than I am in terms of that way of thinking. She's all about backup plans and security. I'm all about oh, like my one wife. thing exactly. <laughs> I'm all about I'm all about picking one thing and deciding that that's what I'm going to do. So to me, like I said before, I understand why people use backup plans, but in my mind, I think backup plans are it's a distraction. It's subconsciously an out, you know? So when things mm -hmm. get tough, you're like, Oh, well, thank goodness. I have this backup plan. Let me quit this. And I've got my backup plan. No, <laughs> like for me, when I first started this, it was like, I'm going to do this or I'm going to die trying. That's yeah. it. And whenever me and my fiance ever got into it and she always questioned me, like, what if it doesn't work out? I don't like what ifs. So she's like, what if it doesn't work out? Be real. What if it doesn't? I was like, it will because it has to. Like, I have to make it work. So I'm going to do everything in my power to make it work. And that's it. There's no other option. I, I can't deal with backup plans. Like, to me, it's such a distraction from going after what you really want mm -hmm. and staying in the safe zone. No matter what you do in life, if you're playing it safe, you're not going to get where you want to be. Yeah. You know, once you're safe and you get comfortable, <laughs> like, for example, for example, the last job I quit before going full time, when I decided to quit, one of my friends that was working there questioned me. And he was like, are, aren't you worried? Like, what if this doesn't fail? At least you have this place. He doesn't have a job right now. That entire call center a couple of months ago shut down. They fired all the managers. They filed all the higher up managers, all the ground level employees. He's looking for a job right now because that whole call center shut down and here I am making my YouTube videos. So the question is, what was more secure in that scenario? You know, mm -hmm. that's why I'm saying like, had I not given into what I wanted and I stayed with the secure option, I'd be jobless right now. Just like everybody in that building that had been there for 20 plus years. So, I mean, the takeaway that I want people watching this, the, the takeaway I want you guys to, to have is if there's anything you want to do, yes, be aware of the risks, but don't let that make a decision for you. If there's something you want to do, decide you want to do it, figure out how you want to do it. If there's something you enjoy doing, figure out how to make money from it and go for it. There's, there's, there's really no excuse other than fear. Yeah. And fear is the most dangerous thing to somebody that is a creative person. Fear stops you in your tracks and keeps you in the same place. It's okay to be afraid. I'm afraid monthly. You know, some months I'm like, oh, I did pretty good this month. Let me go buy a, a, a arcade one-up machine. There's other months where I'm like, shit, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay the bills this month. It's scary. But that's not going to keep me from doing what I want to do. You know, you, you can't act on fear. You have to just decide. <laughs> that's the word I keep trying to push. You have to decide. Because that's what life is about. Decisions. Yeah. You are where you are because you have decided to be where you are. Mm -hmm. That goes for everybody. But that's my preaching right there. <laughs> I, I, I like what Edward Bishop just said. He said, fear is false evidence appearing real. I agree. Yeah. And that, that's one thing I've, I've debated with my fiance before, too. Like when, when we've talked about things. Um, fear is it, it's imaginary. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, think about that. Fear is a real emotion. Mm -hmm. We all feel it. But it really is imaginary at the same time because 
Fear is when you're worried about things that haven't happened. Mm-hmm. So what what are you afraid of? You know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. It's the enemy of creativity. Fear destroys creativity. Yeah. And I see so many people, so many close personal friends of mine that want to do something more with their lives and won't because they're scared to take that step, that uncomfortable step that you have to push yourself to to succeed. It, it, life is scary. It's supposed to be. This content creation specifically like whenever you remember when the the monetization changed to oh. you had to have what like uh what like 400 watch hours something like 400 watch thousand hours stuff, of thousand subs i i like that i like that they did that because in my opinion it weeded out the people that just aren't going to make it yeah you know because at that level let me tell you something you're making like 25 cents a month anyways mm-hmm. like if you're at that level so what does it matter you know it's all about how you react to it. And it, it just, it weeded them out. So I like that they did that because this should not be easy. Nothing worthwhile should be easy. It should be a really hard, difficult climb up. And it is because that's how life is. That's how most good jobs are. That's how YouTube content creation is. It's hard and it should be. And the people that make it to the top are the ones that are just going to persevere. But like I said, I don't even know if I'm going to be one of those. I might not be one day. But I'm sure as hell going to try every single day. You know, if you think about it, too, this whole conditioning that we have where we think that we just need to have a job and there's security in it. I mean, if you think about it, it's only within the last hundred or so years that jobs have been set the way that they are. Before Mm. that, people had trades, they had specialties, they were entrepreneurs, they had to do something. You know, Mm. and it's, it's the thing now is... You, you look at it and it's crazy how people are so terrified of change of actually not even change, but the fact that they have to actively make a choice to do something and not be told what to do. And that's one of the things like I, I'll, I'll share this. I argue with my wife about that all the time. I'm like, Hey, I don't want to have to tell you, you need to do this or you should do this or you should look yeah. into this. I want you to know, like last night I had to do a review of these headphones and i told her like look i need you to do a panoramic and i need to give you the camera do a panoramic and go and then she's like well uh, do you want it to be like this do you want me to i'm like i don't fucking and i said this i said i love you no disrespect don't take this personally I you will <laughs> but I, I don't fucking care what you do <laughs> Just record the goddamn footage. I don't need to tell you because I need you to, if I, it, I need to know, I said, because if you're going to go into this full time, because that's her goal too, is to be a full time content creator. Got to make decisions. You, you literally, you got to be confident in it. And I told her, I tell her, I'm like, what do you think I do with my, my videos? You think I write a script or anything like that? I used to. And then I realized that I can just hit record and talk. And then just yeah. figure it out from there. I'm like, all I need you to do is record it. If it's good, I'll use it. If it's not, I won't. I said, I don't need to tell you what to do. And I, I, I think so many of us are so conditioned, you know, to, to seek approval. And I think that's probably what it is. It's seeking approval, you yeah. know, especially like, you know, now I get to now five topics back. I finally get to roundabout what I was going to say. We've come full um, circle. 
Yeah, we come full circle. So like the 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 challenge in the loneliness of being a full-time content creator. I mean, you and I we talk about it daily. Uh I know Harris Heller has made a video about it, uh about how lonely it is and how families and people who don't do it, they don't understand it. And I know for me, I you know, the last couple of weeks, like I was stressed like god, can I make the rent? And I remember talking to you about that like, dude, I'm so I'm freaking out about it, you know, or my wife, cause my wife did, she's like, you got three months to make this happen. You need, you got three months to make, you know, such and such, or if you don't, you need to go back to doing a real time job. And I'm of the mindset, look, no, I decided to do this. I made the decision because it was either, I was going to stay at that job and get fired or, you know, leave of my own volition and do something that I want to do something that I'm building upon. And I'm like you, if I decide to do something, I'm going balls to the walls. Hell, yep. high water, I don't care what's coming. It, you know, I want to do this. And if I'm going to do it, you're not going to stop me. Yeah. It, you know, and it's like when I, I think about how I got into YouTube. And this actually goes back to my job at Hawaii Pacific Health, because when I was working at the uh, the help desk, there was this one guy who kept, and, and his name was Eric Ching. And yes, I put that motherfucker's name out there because I. I think you told me about guy. this guy. Yeah, he always kept saying like, how I would never make it. I'm just stupid. If I wanted to do YouTube, I should have did it with the reaction videos years ago, and I'd never make it. I'd never do anything relevant. Boom. Yep. Prove those people wrong. Yeah. Honestly, that's a huge motivator. Um, it is. I, I, and the, those people, those kind of people don't understand that when you say that to someone that that's a creative determined person, all you're doing is fueling them. Like yeah. you're, you're fueling, like I loved it when I first started and people were like, uh, why are you doing that? And I was like, got to prove this person wrong. <laughs> I've got to go down the list and prove this person wrong. But more importantly, it's about proving it to yourself. I think more than some dude at your job that doesn't understand anything but nine to five you know it, it's more about proving it to yourself and, and your audience that that you're worth watching but like i told you many times i think you do a great job with that you really do you do a great job getting your your videos that are doing quality content like you don't just slap some shit together and every interview you have i watch for example sometimes you'll do like someone that i've never heard of company i don't care about but it's an engaging interview and i always learn something mm -hmm. because you ask them good questions and there's a good back and forth conversation and that that's the most important thing about a good podcast is having a conversation versus just like uh, tv interviews where they have actors and they just ask them questions you know you, you have to have a good conversation i think that's to me that's one reason i think you're going to make it because you're a good conversational person. I mean, we hung out at, for viewers that don't know this, me and Mikkel hung out at a bowling alley. At yeah. a, well, actually, for, let me go back. <laughs> <laughs> I love bringing up the story. Because at E3, uh, I learned from a random person in the Ghost Recon line that they have YouTuber parties, like E3 parties. And I was like, what? Like, there's a website and everything. And I was like, that was kind of cool. I told my fiance, I was like, you want to go check it out? She's like, yeah, why not? So we go, I invite uh, Chad who was there to Tesla Chad. I invited Mikkel 
and we had already been at that bar for like 30 minutes it sucked ass yeah. like it was some like rundown bar after skid row where all the homeless people are yo <laughs> overpriced like we were looking at the drink specials nothing looked appealing they were like 16 bucks for like a small like yeah. rum and garbage and i was like <laughs> when mikhail got there i was like you guys want to go somewhere else this place sucks ass and he was like wait what and i was like we need to get the hell out of here this place sucks so we ended up going to a bowling alley like five seconds from where i was staying in downtown but no, we just, we hung out for like, what, like two or three hours just talking about everything. It's, yeah. it's like we're best friends forever, man. Like, we, we talked about all this stuff. And I remember at the time, you were having all these doubts about doing YouTube and you were stressed with your job. And it's a completely different you from who you are now. Yeah. Like, I, I see a huge change in you where back then you were this very doubtful, you know, I don't mean this in a bad way, but kind of fearful. You can you know? shoot, it, shoot straight, man. Well, no, but I mean that. Like, and it's understandable. <laughs> you were terrified, as you should be. But then now you're a very confident, driven person because you decided to take that step. You decided. <laughs> I go back to my word, decided. But um, that was a ton of fun, though. I can't wait to do that again next year. Like Dude. we we were in the bowling alley for for a good couple hours. Dude, just had man. a couple beers and just talked. That breakfast we had with Nick. That was mind-blowing. Although, although I went the next day with my fiance and I was pissed off because I was like, this place is so good. Like, she got pancakes with whipped cream and strawberries because they asked, like, you want whipped cream and strawberries? Sure. Mm -hmm. Those motherfuckers charged for the whipped cream separately. They charged for the strawberries separately. I was like, (laughs) you charge for toppings? Like, am I getting charged for the ketchup for my fries? Like, but that place was delicious. That place was delicious. For those that don't know, yes, we had breakfast with Nick, the voice of Leon S. Kennedy and Resident Evil 2 Remake. That was awesome. I remember texting you. I was like, hey, you want to meet, uh, you, you want to meet Leon from RE2? And you're like, no, you didn't what? text me. Did I? Te- no, we were walking around and I don't know if Lahua or my fiance needed something. We were in a store and you're like, what are you doing tomorrow morning? And oh like, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, me and my fiance had plans for the whole day. Mm. So that's why I asked you, I was like, why? You know, like, you want to meet Leon? And I looked at her, I was like, Hey, you're going to sleep in tomorrow. I'm going to take an Uber and I'm going to go meet Mikel. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Then I went over there, man, Nick, let me tell you about Nick. Every time he talked, I, I I saw Leon, right? It, 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 but the guy looks like he could play Chris Redfield in a live action movie. Yeah, like he looks like Chris Redfield, like a live action Chris Redfield, more so than the actual Chris Redfield we got in the movie. <laughs> but that that was an awesome experience. Though. It really was. Dude, was a super he, nice guy. He's super cool, man. I was like tripping out when because that was the first time I met him too. <laughs> yeah. It was like I was, was like, he blasting wow. Battletoads music, dude. He was he was blasting. Because uh, when we left, and he took car. us when he took us to like uh, Muscle Beach. He was blasting uh, Battletoads music. He was blasting Castlevania Three. He was playing uh, Beginning, uh, not the not the remastered or the remakes. He played the original uh, mm. Famicom Beginning theme uh, from Castlevania Three. And then he was playing, um, what else did he play? He's playing Batman NES 
Oh, the Sunsoft one. The yep. Sunsoft. He was, Badass soundtrack. And it's like, Lehua was looking at him. She's like, what are you? He's like, oh, I'm a gamer. She's like, yeah. you don't look like one. He's like, that. What does a gamer look like, though? <laughs> what <laughs> right? does a gamer look like? <laughs> but, um, no, that's one thing I really liked about him. Like, you hear a lot of, like, for example, like, actors that'll play, like, I don't know, Daredevil in a movie. Like Ben Affleck, and they'll be like, I've been a Daredevil fan since I was a kid. Bitch, no, you weren't. You're lying. <laughs> but like you could tell, like, this guy, like Nick, he was genuine. Like he was yeah. an absolute gamer. And I was like, man, this is cool. I remember I was nerding out with him in the car talking about Resident Evil. And I was like, I had just done the Resident Evil timeline. I was like, man, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was awesome though. E3 next year is gonna kick ass. PS5 and Xbox Scarlet are gonna be there too. Uh yeah, so I assume. Ne- ne- next year. Okay, so for people who don't know, this is my experience going to E3. And you know, actually, before I go on that, let, talk let, about that. let's talk about E3. So for content creators who are watching this right now, watching this interview or who are listening to it or who may watch it eventually, baby and I want to put something in perspective for you guys. Watching E3 on YouTube and being at E3 worlds apart. Yeah entirely different experience yeah there there's no comparison like that's why i get so pissed off when i see review tech usa i'll name drop him because i watch his channel and i I usually watch his content Mm -hmm. but he criticized every single year he repeats the same video like e3's on their way out this might be their last e3 Mm -hmm. it's irrelevant (laughs) being there i I spent years just watching there's no comparison there there really isn't Actually, like seeing a trailer for a game coming out 500 years from now and then being there in this environment, not even just playing the games, but just being around other people, like a ton of other people that love the same things you do as much as you do. There's no comparison to that. And even just testing these games out early, talking with developers. I know you know a lot about that, forming connections with people in the industry. If you're a creator, do your best to go to E3. You're only Mm -hmm. doing yourself a service. You're doing yourself a disservice by sitting on your computer and saying it's irrelevant when you've never been there. Yeah. I remember walking into the Xbox building, and it's the same building where they always do the conferences. The scale when you walk in, it's mind-blowing. You know, right when I walked in, there was a giant Gears of War 5 setup on the right side. Behind the wall, they had all the... There's a huge back section that you don't Mm -hmm. see, which is where everyone comes out of. They had everything set up. People were playing Doom Eternal. I played the new Battletoads. There was so much cool stuff there. And this is all stuff that, you know, not another game collector was there, too. He can vouch for this in the chat. But these Mm -hmm. are things you don't experience with people that are like you whenever you're sitting at home watching it on TV or on YouTube or whatever. E3 is not irrelevant. Maybe it'll go away at some point. Who knows the future? But it sure as hell not going away anytime soon. Uh, maybe they'll stop broadcasting it one day. I don't know. But just mm-hmm. the event itself, there's so many people that go. And there's so much good that you get out of being there that it, it's just, if you say it's irrelevant, you've never been. Because if you've been there, you're not going to think that. There's just no way you're going to think it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and to touch on that too, like, I know. I remember because we've had this discussion many times. Um, 
the YouTuber Sphere Hunter. Uh, she's close friends with my friend uh, Ruben Langdon, uh, Dante, and Ken. So I saw her video, and that was her first time going to E3. And her recap video was saying that it's not worth going. It shouldn't be open to the public. And I watched it, and I, I've even talked to her about that. And I told her, I said, you know, it really comes off that, you know, I said, I'm not trying to take shots at you, but it comes off like you're ungrateful because you were flown there by, um, what's the company? Uh, CD Projekt Red. Mm. They, they flew you there. They took care of everything, flight, hotel, all that. You were fully taken care of. And you got to be at the Microsoft thing with Keanu Reeves. A lot of us didn't get to do that. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Yeah, that that's not for regular people, <laughs> you know. That's that's a whole another level of E three. I'm just saying, if you're a YouTuber who's put up like 19 videos and you've got over 100,000 subscribers, and you're talking about something that normal people can't don't normally get to go to, being irrelevant and and not worth it, check. I don't normally say this, but I I had to straight say it. I was like, bitch, check your privilege. Small kind. My whole thing about that, like, yeah, everyone's going to have their opinion, but why didn't she think it was worth it? That's my question, because, like, I can't imagine going to the conferences and then the actual event and the show floor and coming off thinking that wasn't worth it. Like, it, maybe she didn't play her cards right, because there's a strategy to it. It's my second year this year, so I did a lot better than I did last year in terms of what I wanted to see. I saw everything except for Link's Awakening. I saw everything I wanted to see. I played everything I wanted to play. I got all the collectibles I wanted to get because I knew where to go. I knew where to, what to come back to later. There's a strategy to what you do and when you do it, when you're there, that you learn just by being there and knowing where everything is on the show floor. So since you're saying it was her first year being there, maybe that's why. Maybe she didn't strategize on like what to see or didn't get to see certain things because some of the lines are really long. She was um, unimpressed with the whole thing. That was her thing. She was unimpressed, and she felt like uh, regular people shouldn't have been able to be there with people with press badges and industry stuff. I got to completely disagree. I, I do, too. And I, I I told her the perception of that, if I'm just hearing this from you, like, as being someone who was there, and uh, I got to go there because of Vitrix, a company that... You know, I'm wearing the headphones of the company that sent me there. You know, yeah. I, it, for me, it, it was amazing to be there. I've always wanted to go to E3. And as a fan of the gaming industry as a whole, that was awesome. There's nothing yeah. like it. And to say that, you know, it's not worth going to, it's not worth spending $200 to go there. And it's like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying not to rant because I know I'm going to have her on my show soon, but I'm just, <laughs> it rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true, though. Like I said, I mean, she's going to have her own opinion, but and there's plenty of people that share her opinion, but it um, doesn't mean I have to agree. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was amazing, you know, amazing experience that as long as it's going on and I have the ability to go, I plan on going. Do you remember that, that, uh, that uber driver that tried to kidnap Leo and i no oh i think you told me about that <laughs> were Man. you at, 
no, I wasn't I, there. Uh, Ilani was there. You weren't there. But dude pulled up in his busted ass white car with broken windows, saying like, "No, he he rolled down one window. He was like, hey, you call for Uber?'" And uh, like he was started walking. I'm like, "You know what's that mean, baby girl? What you doing?" <laughs> what is you doing? Stop walking towards. That's not him. That's not. You don't call for an Uber. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, by the way, that change that uh, Los Angeles International Airport LAX mm. made with the Uber—that's oh going to be a disaster next year if they don't change it. For those that don't know, <clears throat> the major airports have this. Orlando has it too. There's a specific section outside that that's whole section for for like lyft and uber there's signs for it so if you got off your plane and you have uber that's where they pick you up they moved all of that like off the grounds of the front entrance of the airport and it's all just somewhere out on the side now and there's articles now that it's causing all kinds of traffic jams and everything stupid stupid idea yeah they better change it by next year because the way they had it set up was fine you go there, you call your driver, and you just wait on the curb, and they get you right there at the front. And also, if you go to E3, make sure you get an Airbnb. Oh, yeah. Bye. Woo! Yeah, um, I learned my <laughs> lesson last year because I stayed at an Airbnb outside of L.A. because it looked close on a map. Mm-hmm. Um, what you don't realize is that if something is here and then downtown L.A. is right here, you're going to get stuck in an hour of traffic in the morning. Yep. Like just going into town. Um, that's something I didn't know. So every time we had to go into downtown, which is where everything is in LA, uh, we, we had to take an Uber and spend a ton of money. So this year I stayed at an Airbnb five minutes walk from the convention center. And it was, it was, it was way cheaper than any of the hotels in the area. But uh, t- tell your, your story where you stayed. Oh, God. what you told me, <laughs> Now, when you told me where you were staying, I looked at my fiance and I was like, oh, you know where Mikel's staying? And when I told her, she was like, is he crazy? <laughs> and I was like, but go ahead. Actually, um, you might run to the bathroom real quick. Go go for it. I'll, I'll go I'll ahead. And t- I'll tell the audience. So uh, audience, hi. I'm, hi. Um, I stayed at a hotel. I was, I think it was the, uh, the Sheridan sheridan hotel by uh lax and um yeah so (laughs) so it should have been more than 15 minutes from the airport and uh, from the hotel to the los angeles convention center unfortunately um that trip took about um an hour maybe an hour and 30 to an hour and 30 from so yeah it, you know uh i had the option of getting an airbnb but because i had never done one in california i wasn't too sure and i thought that oh you know i if i if i get the airbnb you know uh what if it's in a sketchy area i was like no i just get the hotel and oh god not not to mention the whole thing with the hotel we couldn't check in till three so like the whole first day of e3 like we got your stuff no like we we were able to well they let us stow our stuff at the hotel we couldn't check into the room 
then we went to go get our badges and then that's when we met up with you and and josh and and uh uh adrian and, and others and we were just like okay so now we're gonna go back to the hotel we're gonna check in they're gonna change and come back then we go there and then we 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 went back to the hotel i think we we parted like 12 ish yeah, and so like so we parted at 12 ish and then when we got back uh, when we got to the hotel, we had to wait an additional three and a half hours to check in. And then when it was time for us to check in, we also had to wait in a super long line because everybody was trying to check in. So then we catch, uh, my wife and I, we catch the uh, the Uber back to uh, the convention center, which that was an hour and a half and then by the time we get there and then we're trying to go in and then they stop her because she left her badge at the hotel so she took an uber and they got her back to uh the hotel an hour later and then she took an uber back meanwhile for me to interject real quick during all this i was inside playing demos of games yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. whole first day yep fucked <laughs> I remember when we met up later in the day, and I was like, I was like, man, look at all the stuff I got. I played this and that, and I was like, what'd you do? And you're like, I didn't do anything. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> well, see, oh God. So here's here's the other thing that that you didn't touch on: um, transportation cost. Oh God. Uh, on Airbnb, the I'm not gonna ask you because I'm not getting into finances, but you know, I know. You, you ask. Well, no, but I know for a fact you spent a ton of money driving back and forth. My credit because... score hasn't record hasn't recovered. <laughs> Let me tell you, when I stayed in downtown, whenever we went to go eat out, go to a movie, most of the time we either walked or we took the little scooters, which I'll talk about. We took the little scooters for like a dollar and just drove them wherever we wanted to on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. um, the one day that I took that Uber to go where you were, when I drove back, that was like fifty dollars total for that one trip. It was like twenty five to get to you and twenty five to get back. So yeah, you cannot stay it, when you go when you're staying primarily in downtown LA. You cannot stay by the airport. Like the transportation cost is gonna get you, even if it's a little more expensive to stay downtown in some areas. You're gonna save way more money because of the transportation costs. <clears throat> like it's, but that's something like like you've experienced. That's just something you have to learn when you yeah. go to LA if you've never been there. That was me last year. And, so and, and don't stick out. Oh yeah, you were telling me what you almost got robbed. Oh my god! At the beach, yeah. I think you told me about that, dude. So, okay, so there's another story. Story time, children. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we went to uh, Lehu and I went to Muscle Beach because she wanted to walk around there, which is uh, I think yeah, that's where um, uh, Nick he dropped us off at, and um, we were walking, and then these dudes, sketchy looking dudes, pop up and. And he, he dropped you off in gang territory. <laughs> God, I mean, I, I'm I was so mad at my wife the whole time because okay, so these rappers, uh, gay, they had a CD and they stuck it out and Lehua just grabbed it, and I turn and then they're like, oh, oh, I signed it. Are oh, you gonna give me money? And she's like, no. And I turned around and I was like, oh, god damn it. I was like. Okay, so I walked over, took the CD out of her hand, gave it back to the dude, and I said, just walk, walk, walk. Just quit, keep walking, don't turn around, 
hold your bag because like when that whole thing happened you had one dude pop out in front of us two people from out of nowhere behind us and here's the thing about my wife i love my wife but when it comes to, to being aware oh, spatula awareness is not her strong suit because she does not pay attention to things around her and she is very gullible and naive and that's not a knock some people just don't have ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of people that do. Yep. And they look for people who don't have ulterior motives. Um, And so I told her, like, you got to start paying attention to your surroundings. You can't. We're not in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because you're getting to know you and your wife. She's a lot like mine, like a lot alike. And um, something similar happened to us. So pissed off. Uh, All right. I'll say this. I'm the type (laughs) of person that when I go to when I go to Walmart Mm -hmm. and I see the direct TV people trying to sell me shit like, sir, what cable service do you have? I'm like, I look forward and I just keep walking. I'm like, nope, not interested. (laughs) Like, okay, she's the one that feels bad and will sit there having no intentions of buying your product. She's the one that'll sit there and listen to your spiel and be like, oh, no, thank you. You know, we. <laughs> so this goes back to what I'm going to say, because like your beach story, something like that happened to us in the Bahamas. A couple of years back, we went on a cruise to the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. If you ever go to the Bahamas, there are swindlers everywhere, everywhere you go. So we're on the beach and there's this 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 kid going around like the Pied Pipers like with flute. He legit had a flute that he was just going around trying to sell he had mm-hmm. a little bag of flutes that he got at like the dollar store and he was trying to sell it five bucks a piece so he goes up to us and he's like oh you guys want to buy flute and i was like no, no no i'm not interested so of course mine starts feeling bad so she's like oh let me ask him how much they are i was like no 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 do not do not and of course he got a whiff of it so he comes up to his little bag of flutes and she wants to buy one and then she gives him like five bucks. I was like, you, I cannot believe. I was like, you cannot do that. Look around you. So suddenly, right after that, some other guy comes up, tries to sell us something. So we said no right away. And he's like, oh, but I saw you give him money. <clears throat> so it started turning into the thing. And they start like surrounding us. And I was like, do you see what you did? <laughs> like, you can't do those kind of things. That's what happens. And, oh, and another thing he was trying to say, he's like, oh, it's for the schools, for the children. Like it, it's insane, man. Like, but you got to be aware of your surroundings, like you said, because people will try to swindle you anywhere you go. Especially, like you said, if you stick out. Clearly, we're not. We didn't look like we were from the Bahamas. We were tourists on a beach. So, Bahamas is crazy, man. Some <laughs> other lady, no, some other lady. This is hilarious. Some other lady walked up to me in the marketplace, and she mm. goes. I thought she was trying to choke me. She goes over my head. And puts a necklace on me. And I was like, I got like thrown back. And I was like, and I was like, what the hell? And it was a Superman necklace. She's like, here for you, free. And I was like, oh, it's free. Okay. And I start walking away. She's like, no, no, it's $5. And I was like, okay, I don't have $5. She's like, oh, well, it's not free. And then she took it off and walked away. And I was so confused. I'm like, what the hell just happened to me? But, you know, that's that that's what LA is like when you go to the beach, too. Yeah. Um, another thing I had to write it down so I wouldn't forget, but another <laughs> thing, like, let me tell you something about LA. If you go to LA and you like spicy food, be fucking careful. 
because oh, <laughs> I, I I have such a bad memory based on your experience because when you were telling me what happened to you on the beach, this story happened was happening simultaneously to me. So we go to Grand Central Market. If you don't know what Grand Central Market is, it's just think of a, a small place downtown where there's a bunch of different food from different cultures all in one place. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a cool downtown food court. So we go to the Mexican place because everyone and their mother's like, LA, you got to get Mexican tacos. They're delicious. And I like tacos. So I asked them for hot sauce. It was like this bright neon orange sauce. So I was like, yeah, just put a little bit. This guy slaps like a handful on the taco. And I was like, all right, the more the better. Let's go. I almost died. No, let me explain to you. Like, I like hot food. I it's Baby. funny. Baby's like, no. you don't even understand right now. No, 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 no. There's no just think of the hottest hellfire you could think of. And that's what I had in my mouth. Like, all right, so my fiance sitting in front of me. I love her, but she likes to talk a lot. So I'm sitting there eating the taco and instantly, instantly regretted it. I took a huge bite. My eyes started watering. It got to the point where when I breathed, the the air coming out of my tongue or the air coming out of my mouth when it touched my tongue, mm-hmm. it just set everything aflame. So I was sitting there like, oh, my God, I can't. <laughs> and she's talking to me. I was like, stop. I don't. I can't talk right now. And she was like, do you need me to go get you a milkshake? And I was like, yeah, please go, go, go. And then I had you texting me what just happened to you at the beach. So I'm sitting there trying to type to you and everything is just like, you don't call a duty when you have those scenes where there's like an explosion next to you and everything, like all the sound starts going away and they're like, (laughs) we've got you. And they're like picking you up. That was me at that point. I didn't know what was going on around me. I was so shell shocked from that hot sauce. So keep in mind, if you go to LA and you like hot sauce, be careful. But that was happening simultaneously as you were getting mugged on the beach. So every time you tell me about that story about what happened to you on the beach, I think of that taco. I think (laughs) of that taco. And it it drives me insane. And I never want to eat it again. But yeah, anyways, end of that story. My fiance got me a milkshake and it helped heal it. But then she started trying to like demasculate me. (laughs) I guess she's like, I can't believe like I can eat that, but she wouldn't eat it. And I was like, leave me alone. I don't care, man. That she was hot. (laughs) So she was just sitting there trolling me. Oh, Oh, God. After that, I wanted to go back to the Airbnb. I was like, I can't. Like, I'm wounded. Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, whatever. You were telling me that story. And in my in my mind, I was just like, oh, I don't give a fuck right now. This taco's killing me. <laughs> like, I'm sitting there trying to I was sitting there trying to text you, and I'm I'm like in survival mode and panicking. <laughs> oh god. Oh, it was crazy, man. It was a good time though. Hey, Toy Bounty Hunters is in chat. Yo, what's up, Toy Bunny oh, Hunters? Uh, shout out to everyone in the chat. How's everyone doing tonight? Hopefully, y'all are enjoying the show. I got, I mean, we got more stuff to talk about. I mean, if Amy's got the time, I got the, the energy to keep talking too. Yeah, man. And uh, so, um, what would you say were some of the highlights of going to E3 for you? And what are the low points aside from the ghost that, that whatever, you know, Voodoo witchcraft, yeah, the the hellfire, <laughs> freaking Ghost Rider Pepper. No, the the low points definitely the lines. The lines that's just 
that's never going to change. There's so many people and there's only so little room. There's a ton of space. Don't get me wrong, but there, mm-hmm. there are so many, um, actually, let me take a step back. The thing I, um, one of the things I disliked the most was the fact that Sony skipped mm-hmm. out on it yeah. because to me going the year before Sony was such a huge presence there. They had like half the, the building on the, on the right side, they had like half that building just to themselves. Mm-hmm. And there was so much Sony stuff there. And this year they just, they skipped out and it really looked bad on their part. And that's not something you would really notice watching it. You had to be there. Microsoft, when you go into the Microsoft building, mm-hmm. like they were just standing loud and proud with all their stuff. And I was like, Sony, you didn't really have a reason not to be here. Like just them not being there to me really took them down a couple notches. Like as a fan, it's like, why weren't you, you know, they, they had stuff to show, Yeah, but Microsoft to me stole the show because of that. They had such a strong, confident presence being there that they just went all out with the stuff they were showing. Um, but as far as what I liked the most, honestly, what I liked the most was, was hanging out with other creators. Like, you guys, uh, you, Josh, uh, Adrian, and more. I mean, you're people that I've been talking to forever online, and we never met face to face. So actually going there, you guys became part of the experience, you know? I mean, we were hanging out every day. Like, all of us, we were all hanging out every day. Like, we were walking, we were scooting around downtown in these little scooters, <laughs> and then we went to some shirt store that was selling Street Fighter shirts. So, of course, I blew some money there. You know, which I'm wearing but, right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I should have worn my... Re- no, I got bison. Yeah, bison. Got bison on. But, <laughs> I mean, those kind of experiences are something you can't... You can't measure being home watching E3. You know? Mm-hmm. That all becomes part of the experience when you go. So, I mean, that, that was my favorite part. Just hanging out with you guys daily. What movie did we see? Oh, I saw Dark Phoenix and oh, we saw Shaft. Oh, we saw Shaft, dude. We that saw was Shaft. We <laughs> It's your duty to please that, that booty. booty. <laughs> yeah, we, we went to the movies. Um, which movies there are hella expensive, by the way. I don't know why. Oh, God, they were more expensive than here. But yeah, that was the best thing. I mean, what was your favorite thing? You would say, even though like t- you had some troubles. Oh God. Um. <laughs> I would say like the the most fun thing for me like uh, the high point was definitely getting to meet all you guys um, finally like literally after talking for months on end you know uh, that was definitely the high point for me and just the experience of being around try to say this because I'm not throwing shade I ain't trying to get smoked but I'll put it this way um, being around other people that are of the same type of mindset in the sense of this, you know, they're content creators. They want to, you know, be on this journey, experience this, this thing that a lot of people don't get to experience Um, versus being where I am out here in Hawaii, where there's no one around me to understand what I do, you know, and it's just being in a different environment. It literally is a different world. And, you know, being, being able to hang out with you, Josh, Adrian, Chad, Ilani, and, there was someone else, but I can't think of their name. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, um, you know, just being able to hang out with you guys and uh, getting to just, you know, it, it felt like, you know, being a, a kid again. You know, we were just, oh, what's over here? Let's go over there. Let's walk. 
you know let's yeah. just let's catch a scooter let's just scoot down the street you know just you know meeting the people in the industry you know meeting and getting to, to try out the different games and no you know the low part is standing in line for that fucking avengers game yep yeah <laughs> yeah and not getting to play I, final fantasy you know one of the best things that came out I played Final Fantasy. Yeah, I let me tell you. That. <laughs> no, let me <laughs> let me tell you one of the best things that happened to us at E3. Uh, we walk in and it's it's near. I think it was day one, day one or two, one of those. Uh, but we were passing by the Final Fantasy area, and the girl working the booth, she was like, "Hey, you guys want to play?" And we're like, "Yes." <laughs> so she gave us a little a little ticket to go in and play it, and I was like, mm. "Oh shit!" Like. This had a huge line earlier. Apparently, we were the last group of the day, and they were selecting just random groups to go play it. Mm-hmm. So we're playing the Final Fantasy demo, and then at the end of the demo, they whip out these shirts. One of the ugliest shirts I've ever seen, but mind you. It was just like some cheap like printed picture of Sephiroth, and it said, like, the legend begins or something on the front in this ugly-ass font. I was like, I don't even want this ugly-ass shirt, but it was an awesome game, so I took it, and then my fiancé took one. I didn't want the shirt. And I was like, what the hell do I do with this? So I was like, I'm just going to throw it up on eBay. People bought the shirt for a hundred bucks, hundred bucks, both shirt, $200 off this ugly shirt. And I didn't try to scam them. I showed the pictures. I mean, clearly it's ugly, but people wanted it. So I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, like people bid all the way up to hundred bucks. But had I not played the demo, I wouldn't have gotten that shirt, but there were a lot of awesome shirts there. Like that's one thing about E3. You don't see also, uh, if you're watching it from home, there's so much stuff they give you. Like, I have a lanyard over here full of pins. This shirt I got, I don't know if you guys can see very well, but it's a Sega shirt, and it's got all the different Sega consoles on it. We got mm-hmm. that for playing um, Sonic, Olympic, whatever. Like, I don't I don't care about the game that much, but... Remember the dragon? Sag. The dragon? Oh, the big uh, Monster Hunter dragon? Yeah, there was a huge Monster Hunter dragon that everybody was taking photos with. Uh, oh, you know what other game I didn't get to play? Kakarot. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. That line kept getting cut off every day. That that's one thing. If you don't, you're not going to be able to play everything you want to play at E3. There's no yeah. way, because some lines get so packed that they'll cut them off halfway through the day and being like, "Nope, you got to come back at this time." There's no more spots. Doom Eternal, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, and Link's Awakening. Those were the three games that every single day I tried to go play, and I, I just could not get into play it. I couldn't get into play it. I would say definitely like. Um advice i would probably give to the audience if they're going to go to e3 uh because there are so many different areas in it and it's so huge make sure you pack some comfortable shoes to walk around in oh yeah uh i have some snacks because the concession stuff is it's stupidly expensive um just i i would probably pick a day for each area you know you got three days yeah. one day for each one but try to prioritize whatever it is like if there's a big big game coming out and you want to try it try and get in that line and now that i know that for us as content creators we can make we can schedule you know i think for us we're definitely going to take advantage of that coming uh next year because if we can make a appointment and just go and skip all the lines i'm definitely gonna do that hopefully man we need an industry pass for that right yes we do and uh, i think we're gonna get that with media <laughs> i hope so i hope, I really so. hope so but um 
Yeah, we spent like the Xbox area. We spent a whole day. Which, by the way, this where I, I got this, this was exclusive over there. I love this. It was like twenty bucks. They got a little rash plush, like for playing Battle Toads. We got some three D Battle Toads glasses. Like, how are these not badass? <laughs> <laughs> these are cool. And also, if there's like little like white points of light, you see mm-hmm. the Battle Toads logo. But oh, wow. I mean, you just you just get all kinds of free stuff like this. Like it's awesome. Yeah. It's like I said, you're, you're missing out if you don't go. Put this back. So Austin Hudson had a question for us. He wanted to. He said, "Us, uh, Mikael gave her thumbs." Speaking of E3, when the PlayStation Five gets revealed next year, are you guys hoping that it will be backwards compatible for all PlayStation games? I'm personally, I personally am hoping so. I'm hoping it is, um, but if it's not, that's not going to prevent me from buying it. Yeah. But I, I really feel it should be because. I know. I don't know if you saw this interview. I forgot who it was with one of the higher ups at Sony said that um, they can't promise full compatibility yet, but mm-hmm. it's something they're working on solving. Um, one thing people got to realize too, when it comes to game development, it's not just like pressing a magic button and they could get it to work. Like you're, and it goes with emulation. You're tricking a console to think it's a different console, mm-hmm. and it's going to get harder and harder as more generations go unless you resort to reselling these games digitally, you know? So yeah, I, I hope it is. I hope it is backwards compatible just to, just to save some space on my shelf, even just so I can yeah. like get rid of my PS4 and just replace it with a PS5. You know, it's hard to believe that we're already at the end of the PS4 and Xbox one life cycle. Like it literally, when yeah. I think back on it, I'm like, damn, 2013 does not feel like it was that long ago when it started. But I mean, I'm yeah. excited for it. I, you know, backwards compatibility as much as i love it and i know it's a great feature the interesting thing is a lot of people the general public doesn't really care about that you know and i think the biggest showcase of that has been with xbox and uh how people don't really care about backwards compatibility with that console and i think in general the people that just don't like xbox as a whole i don't get it I, i get it but i don't get it um but I'm looking forward to seeing what the Scarlet and what uh, the PlayStation 5 can do. And honestly, I don't know how much more of a graphical leap we can take. Um, but yeah. for, performance-wise, I think performance is really the next echelon that we're going to go with these new consoles. Well, one, one thing to touch on, on what you said, as far as a graphical leap, according to Sony, it's the biggest one ever. Uh, that could be marketing fluff. But like the also think about engine. Yeah. But think about this. We say that every game generation, every yeah. generation we say like, it can't get much better. I remember saying that playing Ocarina of time on N64, like can't get much better than this and now go back. So, I, I mean, I think now it's going to be more about lighting and how many things are on screen at one. I think it's going to be more about the power of the console over just graphics. Yeah. I, I, at least if they play their cards right, I think that's where it should it should be. <sighs> and well, I'm how, how long? How much longer do we have to wait? Eight months? Seven months? We're November, right? December, January. I can't count for shit. Seven, yeah, like seven, seven months. Damn, seven. already. I got to start saving some money. <laughs> for real. The thing people don't realize about E3 is like, yeah, you could buy a plane ticket and, um. The a ticket for E3, but remember, you got to eat when you're yeah. there multiple times a day at very expensive places, no matter where you go. 
Um, so yeah, that that's that's one thing you got to really budget for. All right, Chad. You uh, and eight time. Yeah, Chad. If you got any questions, go ahead and throw them out there, and we'll start answering them. Um, almost nothing is off topic here. Um, well, I see one from Rogue Dragon actually. Fabian can't get specific. How much of a financial hit was the hacking? I don't mind answering that. Um, as far as me knowing, uh, as far as me saying specifics, it's hard because I don't know what I would have made in those two weeks. But it definitely, mm. I mean, just picture your job and someone takes a paycheck away for that month. Like yeah. that's <laughs> that's how to describe it, you know. Um, I want to stress, luckily, I'm okay though, because I mean. You know, you, you always have to have some money kind of saved on the side for some emergency situations and, you know, channel still rising. So nothing for anyone to worry about as far as I'm concerned. But, um, yeah, it was the equivalent of someone saying you're only get paid once this month compared to two. Well, as far as a traditional like biweekly job. True. True. Uh, Austin Hudson, he says, uh, what are you guys hoping to see revealed at the Game Awards next month? I don't. I haven't really thought about the game awards, honestly. I, I, I forget either. about that because, um, yeah, they usually do reveal stuff, right? Yeah. A new Castlevania. That's not a mobile game. That's what I want. That's not going to happen, though. To be realistic, I want to see more of Halo Infinite uh, because Halo Infinite. I'm a huge Halo fan. Some people on the channel might not know because I've never really made Halo content. That's going to change. Uh, but Halo Infinite. When I saw that, I was like. I'm really excited about it because it's not just first person shooter. It looks like they're changing the whole formula to more of an open world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that would be awesome for a Halo game, especially if your friends could like jump in and out in the world. So um I want to see more of that because we don't we don't know anything really. We know nothing about it. We know that Halo 6 became Halo Infinite and it went from first person traditional shooter to a big open world experience. And uh, as always, I'll say this every year, I want to see another Assassin's Creed I will never not say that. <laughs> Just to put that out there. Oh man. Um two fifty five says, What do you think of my cat? Your cat is awesome. Next question. <laughs> so I'm gonna get hate. I'm not a cat person at all. <laughs> I'm a dog person. I don't I see if I go to a friend's house and there's a cat, like I'll pet it, but I don't want to own a cat ever. I want to own dogs, you know. I remember I had an ex-girlfriend actually that I dated like my, my high school relationship. Mm-hmm. She had cats, man. And I think I'm allergic to them because every time I would like sleep over at her apartment or something, I'd wake up. My eyes would be like, you remember in Roger Rabbit, Judge mm-hmm. Doom at the end where mm-hmm. his eyes got all big. That, that was me whenever I was around cats all night. Like I, my eyes would be all puffy. Like I can't stand it. Dogs. <laughs> Uh, Josen Rebel says, what advice would you give new YouTube content creators to starting out? I know you already gave a lot, but I really want to pick your brain. You want to start that one or you want me to? Um, so we can write a book. I, God, <laughs> we, we could. Okay. Um, it's opportunity, opportunity for me to say this. You don't need a stream coach. Oh my God, please. Or an MCN. We haven't, talked about, we haven't talked about MCNs. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me let me say this: If you are part of an MCN and you're an, if you're a creator in this chat right now and you're part of an MCN, get out of it as soon as possible. 
you I swear to God, you don't need an MCN. Anything an MCN can do, you can do. I'm actually talking to a guy right now, just to give you an example, that his channel's hacked. And he was asking me what happens with his paycheck. Like, is he still going to get paid because someone took over his channel? Mm. So I asked him, I was like, well, do you still have access to your AdSense? Are you still able to get in? He has no idea because he's in an MCN and they control his paycheck and they haven't gotten back to him. So that's just one example. MCNs will try to sell you on the fact that you can make custom thumbnails. They can fight copyright claims for you. They could do this and that. You could do all that yourself. I, yeah. I've been doing it all myself since day one. All an MCN, this is true. This is reality. All an MCN is going to do in today's YouTube environment, you're just going to be donating a part of your pay to them for nothing. They give you the illusion of them being valuable when really it's nothing. They make a ton of money off taking small amounts from small creators and then they'll have one or two huge creators that generate most of their income. Those are the people that they're going to help. Those are the people that they're going to get in touch with other big creators and set up collaborations, which you can also do yourself. Mm -hmm. Like there, there's no reason to get an MCN. And I always laugh when I talk to a creator that says, but they do this and this for me. And I'm like, I do also to myself. Like you don't, you don't need it. I don't know where that, I don't know where that misconception came from that they're so necessary because mm -hmm. they, they can't do, especially copyright claims. They, an MCN can't do anything. They can't yeah. do anything. It's it's YouTube can't even do anything because, and this is one thing where people give YouTube a lot of shit, but I, I understand legally YouTube cannot get involved in copyright claims. They can't. Um, it's the DMCA laws that if you look those up, I'm not going to get into them, but they're completely outdated YouTube has to let companies be able to claim videos, even if it's falsely. They have to allow the process to go. So these MCNs will be like, oh, we can fight claims for you. All they do is file a dispute for you. That's something you can do too. So let that be a lesson because it doesn't matter how big you are. As you're growing, you're going to get offers from MCNs regularly, offering you all kinds of BS. I had one a month ago. I know you remember this. Cause I was complaining to you about it. An <laughs> MCN. I don't know what marketing class they took, but they wanted me on board. They're like, Hey, we think you're a great creator, but your thumbnails need some work. Join us. I was like, fuck you. Like, Oh, what, what a great recruitment tool. The first thing you did. And they picked the one thing that people in my audience always tell me they like. So secondly, jokes on you, but you don't start a, a, a partnership offer by being like, hey, this shit sucks. Let us help you and pay us. So I think, who was that? Was that Screenwave? Did I, I forgot who that was. Yeah, I think it was Screenwave. Screenwave. Yeah. So yeah, the Screenwave, if anyone from that's watching it, don't ever send me another email. I'm going to delete it. I'm going to treat you the same as a hacker. Like it, it's just as big of a scam. It really is. Like MCN, they're stealing your money. Same thing hackers are trying to do. They're stealing your money. Uh. <laughs> and uh I, I get when I get started, man. When I get started MCNs, whoo <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't deal with them. They they need to be banished from the platform. And uh I'll touch on stream coaches. If you're a content creator who's trying to be a streamer on Twitch, Mixer, YouTube, whatever. Um, if anyone is charging you and they have the formula to help you be successful. <laughs> 
Don't do it. They are con artists. And what they're doing is they're looking for people who are easy prey. It's just like a multi-level marketing thing. Uh, they'll want you to join in. And, and there are a lot of them. I, Baby and I have been talking about this. More so me than him. And I, um, I see a lot of them that are offering services to coach you. And then you look at these coaches and they don't even fucking play games themselves. Mm-hmm. Just funny. Um, well, oh no, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, to touch up on that too, which goes in line with the algorithm experts. A lot of those people that will reach out to you, they'll be like, hey, I'm an algorithm expert. I can, I can help you grow your channel. And then when you look at that channel, they've got like a thousand subs. And it's just like, okay. Like, I know not to judge someone solely based on numbers, but when you're advertising yourself as this algorithm expert, why are you only at a thousand subs and you've been doing this three years? You, you know, like that, it, it's a scam, man. It's, just, it's, that's their gig. It's easy money. That, that's, I'm never going to not think that. You don't need any of that. You, all you need is yourself. Literally, all you need is yourself. And Google. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Google and a computer and all kinds of other BS. But, <laughs> yep. Uh, next question is from Peter Robinson. He said, uh, Gamerthon, Mikhail, would you guys be interested in a Killer Instinct versus Mortal Kombat game? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a fan of both. I would buy it, but. Is it something I particularly want? Not really. I I would prefer. I would prefer a Marvel versus DC game more if you're going to do a crossover. But as far as Mortal Kombat crossing over with something else, I don't think it needs to. I, I don't. It'd be weird. It would feel like. But then again, let, let me take that back at the same time because Marvel versus Capcom. Who thought that would be successful? Yeah. But it worked. So maybe it would work. I don't know. I don't know if that's something I'd particularly. I don't know. I'd rather them do other things. I mean, I remember talking about that back in like the nineties. People wanted that because Killer Instinct was so similar to, you know, it was the best combination of Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat in one. But like now, I don't know. Like, I mean, I I wouldn't write it off because literally everything now is crossing over. And I think with, especially with Terry being, you know, in Smash and the demonstration for Terry today on the direct was. Terry versus Ryu. I you think that character that people don't know. Yeah, who's that guy? How come Ash? How come Pokemon Trainer looks so grown? Why does he got blonde hair? <laughs> Pokemon Trainer. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Terry's old school. Oh yeah, dude. Sakurai was. And if you watch that direct, he was taking shots at the folks. He said, "I heard some of you younger people don't know who Terry Bogart is." Good man. He needs to be Hadoukening those people. <laughs> Right. Uh, do we got any more questions? Um, do we? Do we have any more questions? Oh wait, Lake Toy Bounty Hunters said I've been approached by them since 2012. Oh, he's talking about Screenwave. And mm-hmm. to date, I've never had one. I always felt the cons always outweighed the pros. That's the thing. Like right now, I'm past 50k subs. Uh, I get those offers all the time. Having said that, when I had 100 subs, I also got those offers. There, they will reach out to you at some point. Um, always turn it down. Always. You, there's not, there's not one scenario where you need to have an MCN. There's zero scenarios. Um, I think even, uh, I even had an issue, a situation too, that happened 
uh, I think I was talking to you about it because I was I was trying to get your opinion on it. Work. Uh, there's a website uh, with the, the owner of the website is someone I interviewed, and they wanted to have my show on there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But exclusively, and then they wanted to control who I interview, what I talk about, and wanted me to touch on political things. Yeah. I'm like, I've moved so far. I, that's not the direction I'm. Yeah. So once once you hear the word control. That's a big red flag. You know, that that's what did you leave your day job for? You know, yeah. if, if someone else is going to have control over your content. Uh, yeah. Chid, Chid also asked, uh, is it true thumbnails are one of the key components to get a successful video? Yeah. yeah. I, th- there's see, here's the thing. There's not one specific thing that's going to make you can have the best thumbnail in the world and your video might not get any views. You know, it, it's a combination of different factors, but. I would say that's one of them because you, you kind of have to stand out. Like think of yourself as a viewer when you're scrolling through, you know, you're, you're are you going to click on a thumbnail that, you know, actually looks creative and stands out or just something that in big words says, does it suck? <laughs> you know? <laughs> we, we've talked to me and Kelvin many conversations <laughs> about bad. I'm sorry. I hate bad thumbnails. I can't, do you want to talk about this? I, I think you should talk about this because you, I, I know how you feel about the facial expressions that some creators make on thumbnails. But some of these, so I'll let you do this. <laughs> Go for it. I, I, okay, so many, so many of these, uh, these creators, they make these thumbnails where they look like they're about to suck the biggest cock in the world. I, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> and it's like, it's like. Come on now, and then they put. Does it suck? Um, if it sucked, why would you do a video on it? Come on. To me, that's just kind of. It's kind of lazy to me because people don't realize what goes. All right, wh- how, how much work I put in the thumbnail, and I know I put more work on thumbnails than I need to, but I enjoy doing it. Like I yeah. take a day out of the week where I do like five or six thumbnails. That takes me a couple hours easy. Because I'll sit there and, and get my templates and do all my faces and all that stuff. Sometimes finding box art, finding images that aren't blurry. But then you get some people that are just like, they'll open their folder with a bunch of pictures of themselves, use the same one on every thumbnail and change the word. Like, it's just, it's kind of lazy. Like, I don't, I don't know how that helps. You know, I, I don't know. Oh, God. But you know about bad thumbnails. <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> She said, I don't want a thumbnail looking like someone got a pitchfork up their asshole. <laughs> There's plenty of them. <laughs> so many. There's pl- But you know what? I, I go back. Tell me this isn't true. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are from Switch channels. Yeah. A lot of them are from Switch channels. Yeah. Like, they'll if they'll have their... Hold on. Let me, let me get my Switch. I'm going to bring it after. <laughs> this is it. Let me show you Switch Channel thumbnail. They'll have this. And that's it. There's your thumbnail. <laughs> Maybe some words up here. Or that's it. Or, or no, what's the other one? They're holding it like. Yeah, they'll always have some <laughs> kind of like. But the thing is, like, okay, do it once or twice. But when you go down their videos, and I've seen this, you go down, it looks like they have the same thumbnail over and over and over and over. I don't like bad thumbnails. It's, it's lazy. <laughs> it's super lazy. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so Austin Hudson, he has a question for you. He says, um, <clears throat> this is for Fabian. Uh, how has your timeline series changed for you? Did you expect that it would be so good? How is this for you now? What is that's more than one question, god damn it. <laughs> Man, that's <laughs> is, a good question though. It is though. <laughs> how is your let, let me go piece by piece? How has your timeline changed? It has changed drastically, which proof of that is the whole reason I even did the second Castlevania one. The the thing that's changed the most is doing these timeline videos has taught me that viewers don't really care about how long a video is and more so what's in the damn video because another myth is that oh the algorithm uh, you can't have videos more than 15 minutes because people won't watch it well that's not true clearly but when i first started doing my timeline series i would be so focused and this is the reason i want to redo the zelda one i was so focused on how long the video was where i cut so many details and it's just like i, I don't worry about it right now like mm -hmm. when people ask me how long a video is going to be, might be an hour or two, might be 10 minutes. When I do a video, it's as long as it needs to be. As long as I get the information in the video I want, I don't pay attention to how long it is. So that's how it's changed for me. Um, and I answered this early in the stream, but did you expect it would be so good? No, I did it because I wanted to play Castlevania all over again. And I didn't think anyone was going to watch, but now it's like one of the main courses on the channel. So, and as far as the future of the series, I kind of go series by series. The future, I want to do a Halo one. I want to redo the Zelda one and make it way better. Um, one thing I, I, I'm going to do more of is other content too. Because one, and I know you can attest to this, Mikel, but with YouTube, one important thing about audiences, this is a huge problem Angry Joe had, by the way. I want to name drop him because he went through a whole ordeal where you kind of, you want to give audiences what they want. But at mm -hmm. the same time, you got to get them used to the fact that if you're a variety channel, you're going to have other stuff too. Because some people just want one thing and that's all they want. With Angry Joe, for example, what happened with him, he used to just do like game reviews, but he wanted to do all kinds of other things. So when he flipped the switch and just started doing other things, he got a huge backlash from his community. Yeah. And I got to side with him on that because as a creator, you should be able to do what, I, what you want. So that's why I'm very focused on not just because I could do timeline videos for the rest of my life and just have that, and I'll probably get a ton of views, but, I mean, realistically, if that's all I ever do, I'll get bored of creating content. That's not all I want to do. So, as far as the future, <laughs> keep checking the community tab. <laughs> I'll keep you guys updated all the time. But next one's probably going to be Halo or Zelda. One of the two. And, and that's something else, people, you know, for those of you who are watching, uh, that's the whole reason that we have the community tab is for us to keep you guys updated on what's coming up and also for you guys to communicate with us, you know, and it's very imperative. If we post something and we're trying to let you guys know, and then, because I know this has happened to you a lot, Fabian, where it's like, oh, oh, when's this coming? Oh, why is this happening? Every day. <laughs> I get, I, I get that people have lives. But without getting into specifics, when I've talked about a specific thing on multiple streams, on multiple community posts, on multiple videos, and then someone asked me that very question, I know you're not really watching the channel regularly. So I'm, I'm just going to tell you something like check the last community post, check the last channel update, because it's addressed on there, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I spent my whole day answering all these questions about when's this, when's this, when's this, I would never get anything done. So, yeah, that's why I, I really appreciate the viewers that 
are on the channel so regularly that they know what's coming up because they actually pay attention. Those are the best kind of viewers, viewers that come on the channel and know what's up because they focus. Oh, man. Yeah, that's um, a daily thing. <laughs> that's one of the other things. Like, that's actually, that just reminded me of two other things I wanted to ask you about. And I'm, I'm going to get back to the questions, guys. I know we're, we're winding this down. Um, but one of the things I find so interesting is how you got people that have a regular channel and a streaming channel. Why? Why split your audience? And I know you and I have talked about that for a long, long time. And it's, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I got something to say about that when you're done. But Oh, I'm done. I'm shutting up. Oh, <laughs> well, no, I, I agree with you on that. Um, a lot go. of big creators do that. <laughs> a, a lot of big creators do that. I never understood that because there was a time just because I was experimenting that I was like, maybe I should try that out and see how it works. Um, but you know what I did? I posted a poll on Twitter. I posted a poll on my community tab asking my community like what they thought. Should I do that? It was something like 85% or something of the community that voted said to keep it all on the same channel. So I'm going to go by the advice of my viewers. And I get that because me, for example, as a viewer, like let's say I'll go on, I don't know, Boogie298H channel. I'm never going to check his streaming channel. I don't care. Like, I just want to go to one place and have everything there. So the feedback I got from my viewers was just have everything in playlists. So that's how I have everything. I have my live stream playlist. Like, I don't feel a need to have a second channel because all you're doing is splitting your community instead of just having everyone together in one spot. I I don't understand why people do that. And from what I've seen, it doesn't really help their traction or views or whatever. It's just more work and it's unnecessary work. And it's it's kind of like the thing I've been saying to my wife uh, and other content creators is you got to make sure your workflow is efficient and yeah. it doesn't stress you out. Because if you're you're stretching yourself across multiple platforms, and like I said, you and I talk about this all the time, it, you're wearing yourself, you're burning, you're burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. And, you know, looking at certain platforms, if you're on Twitch and you've been streaming on Twitch for six months to a year or more and you're not growing, maybe it's time to either change your marketing strategy or go to a different platform. Or if you're a mixer yeah. and you're having the same thing, try something else. But if you're on YouTube and I've never understood, and okay, I kind of get why these stream coaches and Twitch people, it, it's a mark, it's a method where they're hopping on YouTube because they can't get the traction on Twitch to draw people from YouTube to Twitch with the idea that, oh yeah, you're going to, I'm going to help you. This is my community. You know, this is my discord. You can join my discord and I'm never going to speak to you. I'm never going to acknowledge you, but I'm going to give you the idea that if, you know, you go over to uh, Twitch, then I'm going to interact with you. But you know, this whole thing of using splitting your audience across whatever platform you go to, this doesn't make sense. I've got 11,000 subscribers here on YouTube and a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction show up on my streams. But like I've always said, like if you guys are more comfortable coming here for the streams, that's where I'm going to be. If it's convenient for you, then so be it. I'd rather do that than try to go to Twitch. And I grinded on Twitch. It got nowhere and quickly realized it's not worth it. I remember that. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot less traffic, drastically a lot less traffic. And also another thing too, a lot of people switch different platforms because like they're sick of YouTube's whatever, they're sick of Twitch's whatever. One thing to to realize is all the problems that exist on YouTube, Twitch is going to have their own set of problems just as bad. Mm-hmm. Like there's no perfect platform; they're going to happen. So stream wherever you're most comfortable with. Create where you're most comfortable with where your community is, where your community is going to watch you. You know, some people go on Twitch, make a living on that. That's fine. But don't switch a platform just because, I don't know, you're getting a copyright claim on one platform. You're probably going to get one on the other, too, at some point. It's just how it works. You'll be like, I'm sick of the algorithm changes. And you're like, uh, yeah, okay. Twitch doesn't have an algorithm. <laughs> like, You know, they have their own set of, of issues and things, you know? Right. The Rogue Dragon, uh, his question is, if you two could make your perfect games or movie, what would it be like? Oh, my God. Uh, um, I know what I want to say, but I don't want to rant. You can rant, dude. There's right. no filter on this channel. You know this. I hate <laughs> Terminator Dark Fate. I saw that movie yesterday. I have such a deep hatred for it now. So when I say a perfect movie, I, it, it, oh my God, I was talking to checkpoints about this because I hate the remake for child's play. Mm-hmm. They did it. They gave me a movie that I hate more than that. So when I say good, perfect movie or game, I want a perfect Terminator franchise. That's what I want. I want Terminator one. I want Terminator two, Terminator three. Yes. I like those salvation and then i want them to have one movie right here called terminator 5 about the whole future war it's a whole war movie all in the future no time travel and then terminator 6 could be the final battle and it leads to kyle going back to 1984 coming full circle terminator dark fate sucks it's within the first five the first five minutes of the movie i'm gonna step back no, it was funny because I, I watched it yesterday. I watched it yesterday. With Thank God the theater was empty. Because me and my fiance were sitting in the theater. There were like four other people all the way back. And I won't spoil anything, but within the first five minutes, something happens that ruins everything. Just ruins the whole series. And I punched the armchair and I was like, fuck. And then I sat there and I was just staring at the movie the whole time fuming. So, yeah, I hate that movie. That's what I want. I want a perfect Terminator saga. And the, these these people, these monsters that decided to revive it, destroyed it. So I keep hearing all these things on Twitter that, oh, well, if you turn off your brain, it's a great action movie. I don't want to turn off my brain to watch a Terminator movie. I just want a good damn movie. You know, like I could turn off my brain and go watch Godzilla. Okay, that's awesome. I don't want to do that for Terminator. So, kiss my ass. Terminator sucks. I hate that. <laughs> uh, that's it. That's it. Because I'm... <laughs> my fiance started laughing earlier today. Because I was sitting there the morning in the morning today, just like looking at my computer. She's like, are you okay? And I was like, you're going to think this is really stupid, but I'm totally serious. And she looked at me all concerned. And I was like, I'm just, I'm genuinely angry about that Terminator movie still. It's like, you're still thinking about it? I was like, you just you don't understand. Like, I'm genuinely angry about it. So, <laughs> anyone that asks me... People have been asking me for a review. That's my review. Zero out of ten. It's garbage and it shouldn't exist. Zero. Well, no, hold on. One out of ten. 
because I genuinely like Sarah Connor and I liked Arnold in it. They were awesome, but nope, nope, one out of ten. Just because of them, they got the point. I'll like, even give it two because there's two of them. Two out of ten. Like, how does that movie do so bad and Rambo came back with the, the heat? I don't know. Rambo was good. That was I thought that was genuinely a good movie. But you know what? I'm happy Dark Fate bombed. Good. That movie could burn in hell. Like it hasn't even made a quarter of its budget back. So I think that's officially the nail in the coffin. <sighs> Toy Bounty Hunter says the game of them, it's definitely the worst in the series. I'll say this. I thought Genesis was awful. This movie, I actually watched Genesis over again today. This movie made me appreciate that one. That's how bad it was. Damn. So take that as you will. <laughs> so worse than the series, yes, most definitely. <clears throat> See, I told you I was going to rant if I started. I, I told you. I gave you the microphone. <laughs> Terminator. Terminator is one of my triggers. If you do Terminator wrong, like I hate you. <laughs> I love the Terminator series. Oh God! So Austin Hudson said, uh, "If you guys had one character in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, who would it be and why?" Uh, I already got him. Castlevania people. <laughs> that, that was so left field. Too. Yeah. Um, could you? Well, I I guess I don't know. Maybe we could get. We probably won't get Contra characters, but it would be cool. Oh, how would they? What would they do though? Because all they do is shoot. Like they would have to make up their moves. I think they would. I don't know. Someone uh, that's not in the game already. Oh, let me tell you. I know because it's my two dream characters. I have two dream characters left. I had four before. One was Castlevania people, King K. Rule. I got both of those. Uh, my other two is Wart from Super Mario Brothers 2. That character gets no love. Where the hell is he? <laughs> and Captain N, Kevin, the game master. What? The, why don't we have him? Like from the animated series, those are my two yeah. dream characters, <laughs> Kevin and Wart, and then I'm happy. You can make no better Smash Brothers after that. Okay, so for me, <clears throat> since they're bringing in characters from series that define the genre, they need to bring somebody from Virtua Fighter in. Like, come on now, you, you got Terry. Bring in Akira or Jackie. Or Kage, or whatever. Who was the blonde girl? So, so, uh, Sarah. Sarah. I she was she was kind of popular back in the day. I used to see her on all the advertising for Virtual Fighter. Well, like bring them in. <clears throat> I could even see them doing someone from Tekken. I mean, I know they have the Me Fighters, but I'm like, come on now, bring bring some. And I think what it is is kind of like what you and I were talking about the other day too. And yes, people, I know I'm saying it a lot because we talk a lot. Um. One of the things uh, you said that really resonated with me is anything with Nintendo right now and Smash is going to sell. Oh, yeah. For sure. But I think what we were talking about that yesterday, right? Where yeah, someone asked you on your stream, like, do you think a crossover or something would do well? And I was like, anything crossover with Nintendo would sell. Doesn't yeah. matter what it is. You crossover Terminator Dark Fate with Nintendo and it would sell. Yep, it would. It really would. I mean, it's it's just Nintendo right now coming off the Wii U. It's it's just a gold mine right now. Like the only thing I'm hoping is if they do make a more powerful Switch, which I think they are, um, they're gonna have to because with PlayStation Five and the Scarlet coming out, 
that parody is going to be lost. Yeah. I know like graphics and, and console power aren't the most important thing, but it's a factor. You know, it, it is an important factor and it's a factor that you you have to naturally improve over time. Yeah. You know, the switch can't be the way it is now forever. And that goes back to what I was telling you before about switch channels being popular now and, and not later, you know, things are constantly changing in the industry. So when PS5 and Xbox Scarlet come out, like you have to have a more powerful switch because it needs the third party support. So, you know, the, the games are going to be even more of a downgrade than they are now when they go on the switch. That's not going to, how long is that going to be? Okay. True. Look what happened to Bloodstained. Remember when Bloodstained came out? They updated it now, but when it came out, how much of a huge downgrade it was on the Switch compared to the other ones, that gap is just going to increase with the next generation. Yeah. They have to come out with a, a more powerful Switch. But I, Nintendo's not stupid. They know that. They're You know they're always working on things behind the scenes. They're definitely going to come out with one. It's just a matter of when. All right, guys. If you guys have any more questions, uh, we'll take about, let's say, two, three more questions. Do it for you. Yeah, it's good for me. Um, I know Rogue Dragon 05 had one. He said, what are future plans for the next year for both your channels? Well, um, I plan to, in December, just take a break <laughs> from podcasting because uh, I, I think I've been burning myself out with uh, podcasting. And honestly, this is the most fun podcast I've had. And actually, this is the most fun of all podcasts I've had because I'm genuinely chopping it up with a friend that I actually talk to. And I'm, you know, you guys are being very active in the chat and I'm really enjoying you guys coming through for that. So, you know, I, I want more conversations like this. I, and I, and this is not to say that I don't enjoy the ones with, um, you know, like, uh, the people in the gaming industry or the voice actors or whatever. It's just, you know, I like to switch it up and I think next year uh, I'm definitely going to be switching up on my channel next year going forward uh, with interviews with wrestlers. So we got Hulk Hogan, we got um, The Rock, Stone Cold, all that set up for next year. Um, then hopefully I'll be able to do the ability to, to go places and interview people in person. You know, that's, that's yeah. something I'm looking forward to doing, but other than that, you know, more of the same streams, uh, reviews, uh, podcasts like this. And actually, speaking of which, um, because now that I see this, this, this is a successful formula. This is something Fabian actually asked me, why wasn't I doing before? And that's live stream podcasts like this. And it's because before when I did it, I didn't have structure and it kind of just evolved. But now that this is working i'm i think i might start doing more stuff like this going forward yeah the audience interaction is nice too that that's originally that's why i brought it up to you because i know like when when i used to do pre-recorded let's plays i was so bored doing them i didn't like doing them mm -hmm. you know but having an audience there live and interacting and watching it's a completely different feel so and i know you like to live stream too so i mean i i think it worked great for you yeah definitely did yeah. Uh, <laughs> zero say except for Kira Buckling. You didn't enjoy that one. Don't is that, ever. Is that the one you told me with the lady that 
that was uh, I, I don't know what word to use. <laughs> well, did you have it. one you told me where someone was like batshit crazy? I don't remember who that was. Oh no, no, no it wasn't her. Um, oh, that's what I'm thinking of. No, Kira Buckland. That's the girl. That's the voice of Two B from Near. Um, she was Kyoko and River City Girls. And uh, Zero, you're trying to get me in trouble because this is a podcast. This isn't a normal stream. I don't know and this I, story. I don't know this one. I, I will, so basically, the, the long and short of it is uh, the person showed up uh, three hours late for the... Actually, a day and three hours late for the interview. Uh, they showed up either... I couldn't tell if they were drunk or high. And... Uh, wow. You know, it literally devolved into like a 15 minute podcast, maybe 12 minutes because they no zero. You're fine. Uh, they didn't want to uh, talk anything. I tried to ask them. There was just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, can we wrap this up? I have things I need to do now. Yeah. What? Yeah. So like, why did you even come on the show in that case? Yeah, that's wow. So Kira Buckland, uh, the interview will be going up probably. I'm just probably going to quietly throw it out there because I'm not trying to give her any publicity. Uh, very disappointed. Um, if she sees this, oh, well, fuck you. And uh, <laughs> damn, I, I just, the, I mean, like that. And, and that's the thing, too, is like the chemistry between yourself and the guests. Like if you're going to go on somebody's show, at least have some energy. Yeah. Have something to say, too. Like, yeah. And then just stare awkwardly into the camera. Yeah. So yeah. Um, oh wait, I don't think I answered uh I don't think I answered his question, did I? No. About the uh what I'm planning for the next year. What I'm planning for the next year as far as goals, next year's goals hundred K subscribers, because I want that silver play button. So that that's the the goal. As far as content, uh there's a lot of content in my backlog. Here's the thing. I get a lot of requests from a lot of people. 90% of what I get requested is stuff that I already have in my backlog that I'm planning on doing. Uh, so I'm planning on going through. And I know Rogue Dragon's going to give me shit because I've been talking about <laughs> reviewing Captain N, the Game Master, for over a year already to where I spent like $90 buying the DVD set on eBay. And I have not done it yet. I'm going to get to it. I promise. But yeah, within the next year, I want to go through my backlog of... of videos that i've been wanting to do for a while and of course more timeline stuff uh, a lot of streams too that that i've been getting a lot of requests about so that's one of the things i okay so i kind of want to ask you you know when you decide on like hey this is you know you're, for this year you're like hey i want to hit 50k and then next year you're like 100k do you are when you like for me, I wanna I wanna hit twenty k before this year ends, and I do often battle with myself of thinking I'm not gonna make it. Like, how did you deal with that? Like that, what you see versus what you're trying. To well, easiest answer that I can give you is I didn't really deal with it. I just kind of brushed it aside and just kept working because think about this: you can't control that. Yeah. You know, you, you can't control. I, I just I try to focus on what I can control and how I come up with the goals. I usually try to think of what's reasonable 
and then add on like 25,000 more. Cause I'd never want to shoot for here. I want to shoot for here and see how far I can get. But yeah, that's the best answer I could give you. Just focus on doing your work and the numbers will just come because you can't control whether someone's going to hit the subscribe button. All you can control is making your content, asking people to sub and share your videos, but whether they're going to hit subscribe or not, you know, can't worry about it. Can't worry about it. Cause that's not, that's not on you. Okay. And then, um, so, and I probably asked this earlier and I forgot, you know, um, scatterbrain over here. So, <laughs> um, so I kind of want to dispel one other thing, a misconception a lot of people have is that, uh, if you're going to grow on YouTube or any platform, you need someone who is a either bigger YouTuber, bigger content creator to shout you out or have you on to make you just blow up. So, I, yes. it is to me, but yeah. <laughs> why do you think so? Um, it's complete BS. I mean, and, and so many things have proven it. Like for example, I remember a while back I was watching, um, I don't watch these guys regularly. I, it's not my kind of content, but I did watch one video I found interesting from Jack Septicai. Mm -hmm. He was talking about how he exploded and there's this conception that PewDiePie gave him a shout out and he just blew up from there because of it. But when he made the video and even showed, he showed the analytics and everything. He showed that when he got the shout out, he just got a couple thousand subs, which for his size and PewDiePie's audience, that's nothing. Mm -hmm. So he said he really didn't experience any growth from that shout out. His growth came like a year later when he started picking up traction and now he's in the millions, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's proof right there that it, it doesn't work. Um, I know, for example, myself, there's a ton of really small channels I've shouted out and I've kind of kept track over the next couple of days, whether people have joined, you know, subscribed to them or not, mm -hmm. maybe gotten a little bit of a boost. I'm not a big channel, but, you know, I'm not this huge, enormous channel, but you would think there'd be some sort of effect and it's minimal. So no, you don't need a shout out. It's, it's cool to get shout outs. You know, to me, it's more of a community, like uh, a togetherness, you know, you want to help others. You want to recommend other channels, but realistically, are you going to blow up because someone said you're a good channel? No, your work is going to be. And if you do, they're not there for your work. They're there because someone else told them to go there. So eventually they might not watch any of your stuff. They might watch your stuff and become uninterested. Y you want people to come to your channel because they discovered you and they like you and your content. So no, shout outs don't work. They, you don't need them. So, I mean, is there, I will take the last question, Rogue Dragon. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just give me shit. Uh, Rogue Dragon uh, will be having the last question uh, from the audience, and that will be, what is the most anticipated upcoming game or movie? Hmm. I don't have one. I think everything I've wanted has come out already for me. I kind of agree. I'm trying to think. Um, see, movie, I I got all the movies I've been wanting as far. I'm trying to think what's coming. Oh, well, you know, for me, honestly, um, Jedi Fallen Order. I'm I'm really excited about that game. Uh, I know it's kind of it's next week, yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm extremely excited about that game because everything I've read and seen on it has been good. For me, I, I understand people are hating on it because EA is attached. I I don't care about any of that. I just want to focus on the game itself. And from everything I've seen, it looks like it's gonna have Zelda style dungeons. It's gonna have like planet hopping Mass Effect style. 
and it takes place right after the Clone Wars area between that and New Hope. It's got a brand new character that seems to be an interesting story. So mm-hmm. as far as game, I I don't think I've been this excited about a game in a while because it's an EA Star Wars game that I think is actually going to be really well done. Uh, movies, I don't know. I, I've I've gotten all the movies this year that I want. All right. And um, audience, I'm going to ask y'all a question because I want y'all to give, give us some feedback. Did you guys enjoy having Gamerthumb on the podcast and would you want to see him on again? I vote yes. <laughs> I'd be down. Why not? And uh, see, Chosen Rebel say heck yeah. Doom Annihilation. I have a lot of fun too though doing the live podcast because it's like, like I said, man, as an interviewer, you're not just giving me a job interview, you know? <laughs> it, it's it's just a conversation. But what you guys are seeing, as far as the viewers, what you guys are seeing on here, this is how we talk every day on like Facebook messages or whatever. Yeah. Like, this is just our regular conversations we have. Yeah, it definitely is. And we just, all we do is just hit record or go live. <laughs> just... Yep. Uh, yep. Is, is there anything you want to leave the audience with before we go? Leaving the audience with, yeah. I, I don't, I've been talking a lot. I think I've said everything that I needed to say, but just honestly, the, the advice I gave and the things that I've been through really take that to heart because even if you're not a creator and you're just a viewer, I, I feel you can apply it to your everyday life. You know, they're, they're like the whole thing about being in a situation you don't want to be in and just making your life better. Like we all have choices to make. So, and if you're a creator, just be aware of all the BS out there that is readily trying to infect your creativity and trying to scam you out of money. 99% of it is BS and you don't need any of it. So mm-hmm. I, I think we we've kind of gone over all of it in great detail for anyone that's been here the whole time. Yeah. And actually I'd let him talk people. <laughs> Dude, I'm taking shots as much as I can. I want to smoke. Oh my god. Yep. <laughs> that 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 was an interesting podcast that you're referring to. <laughs> I won't say names. Names will not be named, but I yep. want the smoke. Yep. It was oh. the kind of thing where I was like, and this is the last thing I'll say, but it it was the kind of thing where I was like, Well, this is what happened, but nope, nope, that's not what we're here for. And I was just like, Well, that that's what I'm here for. And the thumbnail. <laughs> Yeah. This um, was a better podcast. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. This has been a year in the making. That's why it's so good. <laughs> Fuck, it has been a year in the making. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm oh. getting old, man. Years passed already. <laughs> Years are flowing like water. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. 2020, man, in a month and a half. <laughs> Do you remember when that used to be the future? Yeah. In seven years, think about it. In seven to eight years, L.A. should be covered in Terminators with purple lasers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, shit. That's All right. <laughs> and uh, before we go, tell people where they can find you again and any content or things you're working on. To find me, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And TikTok. Patreon. Not yet. Maybe may, <laughs> one day. It's too much, too much social <laughs> media. As far as what I'm working on next, this tomorrow, 
Knight. I should have Mortal Kombat, The History of Ermac, the awesome telepathic ninja. Um, that'll be up Friday. I am doing Luigi's Mansion. One important thing I do want to say, the Battletoads 50K stream that I had scheduled for Saturday, I, my friend got on me today because it was his birthday. I completely forgot. <laughs> so I promised him I'd go out. That's Saturday. So that stream's coming on Sunday instead. So pay attention to that. Sunday, Battletoads. All right. And if you guys want to uh, follow Fabian on all or any of his social media outlets or his YouTube channel, links for that are all in the description below. I'm going to drop those in the stream chat. That way, you guys, if you haven't already. Oh, well, it gave me a limitation. I mean, I can put in there. I'll put your YouTube. Um, if um, any of you have not sub to his channel, then uh, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You need to sub to Gamerthon <laughs> TV's channel because the man is literally making some of, if not the best content on YouTube. And from be it the timelines, the button smash series, the streams, or just about anything, you know. And I, 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 I seriously mean this. Like, Fabian, you are one of the greatest content creators in content creation <laughs> thank you do, thank you right not, back at you man right back at you dude, i'm not there <laughs> I'm, I'm not there um but seriously man like the things that you do the work that you do the energy and effort you put into all of your projects man it's it's fucking inspiring and it it's i have to thank you because Honestly, if we hadn't met and we hadn't talked, I'd still probably be at the dead end job. I still probably would be miserable. And honestly, and I haven't really said this before and I'll say it now, I probably would be divorced because that job takes a toll. It did. It yeah. it really pushed Leo and I apart. And I'm grateful that, you know, I had you to talk to. I'm grateful she's now got I like to talk to and you're really <laughs> she, she told she told uh, my fiance that you were a lot a lot more emotional. <laughs> hey, <hoo -ah! laughs> yeah, He's a lot more emotional and lovey dovey. You know, like, oh. No one. That, I, I, what is that's this? good, though. That's good, though. It really <laughs> is. But uh, yeah, and people honestly uh, follow him on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, check out, check him out on Facebook. Uh, follow his Facebook page. Uh, support the man's, uh, you know, content uh, by subscribing to his YouTube channel. And honestly, check out his Patreon. You know, all his content is free, but that work, I, I just feel compelled to support. And I think you guys would definitely enjoy it if you enjoy his content. Then definitely support. And uh, with that being said, if you like this podcast, um, you want to catch more stuff like this, uh, I have it on, um, where, damn, I just forgot where I have my podcast. God damn this it, Fabian. Not, this is not the only time I've seen you do that on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've, seen that, I've seen that happen to you multiple times. I laugh every time. <laughs> Jesus, tap dancing Christ. How can I forget? Uh, let me tell you, you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Patreon, Twitch, and YouTube. I'm reading it off the screen. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you can see that same thing I'm reading. <laughs> Somebody needs to clip that. <laughs> For real.
<laughs> oh god and uh with that being said awesome. people it's uh it's been a blast uh i stream every monday wednesday friday twice a day except for tonight i may not sh- i may stream i may not stream i'll jump know. in i need something to do I'm, okay <laughs> so um terry bogarts and smash i think i might stream that maybe yeah. monster hunter if you want to hop on monster hunter i'm gonna go eat <laughs> I'm gonna go eat. Wall, you know what? I might jump on after eight though, but I'll definitely be in your stream. I, I want to go eat, but I can't. My car battery died. Oh, that sucks. It does suck. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yes, people, you can catch uh, the podcast, the number one podcast in Hawaii, legitimately, on every major podcast and outlet uh, here on YouTube. I need to change that because I'm not on Twitch anymore. I don't care about Twitch. So I need to get rid of that. But uh, yeah, you can catch it on all those outlets uh, every Monday. Brand new episode. This episode will also be uploaded to those podcasting outlets. And um, with a new intro and outro, it will be re-uploaded as well. So if you enjoyed this video, you enjoyed this podcast, enjoyed my guests, make sure you hit that like button, share it. And um, yeah, let us know if you want more stuff like this. And with that being said... Gamer Thumb TV and I are signing out. You guys have a good one. Hey, did you enjoy this episode of the Casanova Podcast? Well, I'm sure you did. And since you did and you're wondering where else you can find it, you can find it on every podcasting outlet. Yes, it includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Launchpad DM by Podcast One, and so much more. And the only thing I ask of you is if you truly enjoyed it, even if you didn't enjoy it, please leave a rating and tell us what you thought of it, what you liked, what you didn't like, and everything in between. And also, if you're looking for video formats of this podcast and many more, you'll be able to find them on youtube.com slash Casanova as well as on twitch.tv slash Casanova and new episodes every single Monday morning, 8 a.m., Eastern Standard Time. So, that being said, this is Mikhail Casanova, Hawaii's favorite YouTuber. I am signing out. You guys have a great one.